passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome, everybody. It is John Pollock and Wei Ting, and this is the post-wrestling, post-wrestlemania, post-show, live from the Mercedes-Benz Superdome parking lot. Wow, that was pretty perfect. John, <laughs> this was a take... We, I, when I was just telling John before we started uh, to watch the popping peas because we don't have our usual pop filter. This is not the post office. For those of you who are not aware, we've been doing some of these shows inside a car. So this is the mobile post office, and therefore things like pop filters are not necessary. So we have to control our own peas. Yes. I guarantee, Way, that we're here in like the media parking lot, and I can only imagine... After so many people have come up to us this week, uh, media colleagues asking us how the site's going, and, you know, we've been really positive about it, that they just walk past and look at us in the back seat of our car recording this and just wondering, these poor guys. <laughs> I am po- I'm positive there's going to be somebody stopping us in the middle of this. Somebody's going to kick us out or something. We'll get through as much of this as we can. This is about as gorilla as it gets. I love it, Way. We're right out of WrestleMania. We're still in the Superdome, and... What a better post-show than being on the grounds of WrestleMania. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, we, being under the ring might might be the, the next best thing, but uh, they're already taking that down, so this will have to do. WrestleMania 34. We have a lengthy show to go through. Before we start, I wanted to alert everybody to the website because we do have uh, the NXT TakeOver post-show that is up with Braden Harrington and Davey Portman, who attended the show live at the Smoothie King Center. And I just want to start off the show with a big thank you uh, to Braden Harrington, who uh, got the show together. It is up on the site. Uh, so do yourself a favor and uh, listen to those two uh, run through TakeOver, where you have Braden's uh, television viewing experience contrasted with Davey's live 
perspective of the show mm-hmm. from Saturday night. Uh, but WrestleMania way, this was a card that it looked like a really good WrestleMania card on paper. I sensed from the people we spoke to that a lot of people were anticipating WrestleMania. Some years you get ones where it's kind of it's the surrounding events that have a lot of the interest. In past years, it is the takeover event maybe that has uh, stolen some of the interest level. Uh, but this year, it seemed to be uh, a pretty definitive interest level in WrestleMania that I think you can attribute to several factors two of the biggest i would say being ronda rousey and daniel bryan i i agree i think it was uh the the, the several big returns that were uh, or, or debuts that were being featured that i think made a difference but i think it was also the shinsuke nakamura aj styles match that had a lot of people interested in particular the types of fans that you and i mainly interact with you know the fans of hardcore like uh, uh, pure technical wrestling and fans of you know both of these two uh, are you are you okay are you comfortable I, we are john and i are cramped in the back seat of a car and yes okay make, go ahead and make your jokes uh but this was really the best uh, setup for uh, this. We'll probably post a photo of us. It's very romantic. It is. It's, we're very cozy here in the back. Uh, so, first of all, we started off our day. This was coming out of a Ring of Honor on Saturday night where we did a post show very late that's up on the Post Wrestling Cafe. And then we had our listener meetup, which was a ton of fun. This was very last minute. We kind of just uh, mentioned it during the week. We went to a bar that was close by to the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. A number of you showed up. And that, to me, was uh, as enjoyable as anything else on this trip was getting to meet our listeners uh in person at the wayward owl which was an awesome venue yeah because we didn't really promote it i mean it was partially out of respect to to, uh cord and wally mania uh but also the fact that we weren't necessarily doing a show this time it was just a meetup we were curious to know if anybody would show up and there were a number of you that we got to spend uh, some some time with at length to, to talk to so i was very happy about that uh, so yeah, thanks to all. If of I you close did. this window behind me, am it's I going to totally suffocate? Fine. Is that is that okay? Well, I mean that's my concern, but no, you can close it. Yeah, I think that makes a little bit of a difference. Yeah. So I want to thank all the people who came out to the Wayward Owl. It was a lot of fun. Then we made our way over to the Superdome area, and we had some time before the doors opened and media could check in. So we went to the WrestleMania block party featuring a cover band that was up there. And what's the first thing we he- heard? Come Sail Away, oh. a Styx cover. Styx, yes. Nothing gets you more in the mood for WrestleMania than Styx. I mean, when you think of wrestling fans, what else would you want to get them ready for than with... Uh, come Sail Away. Come Sail Away with me. Uh, Big Show and R-Truth were there. Kayla Braxton, who I think is a very good host. We saw her at NXT and, you know, very good host. Yeah. And who else showed up? Medusa was there with Tamina. Yeah. Uh, As well, Shinsuke Nakamura. Well, one of many Shinsuke Nakamura's I've seen over the last couple of days. So the last time John and I were here in New Orleans for WrestleMania 30, I think... Uh, Bray Wyatt was everywhere. Bray Wyatt was the cosplay of, of that particular WrestleMania. A bunch of people were dressed as Bray Wyatt, some of, it was, some of whom we weren't exactly sure if they were dressed up or if they just happened to look like Bray Wyatt. Yeah, but then, then we had the Kevin Owens phenomenon, I feel... Absolutely. And uh, not to, to stereotype, but I think this was, uh, it was an achievable look to replicate <laughs> for some people, like Bray Wyatt. Definitely. I mean, you are confusing uh, Bray Wyatt was a dress-up or just Definitely. how it looked. I will say uh, perhaps a bit more ambitious and a bit tougher to achieve is that as the look of a Shinsuke Nakamura. Yet we saw a number of people dressed up as Shinsuke and doing a very good job. There was one particular particular guy at this block party who was taking photos and those of you who followed the lens stories will, will have seen him he was 
not only taking photos, but he was acting. He had all the mannerisms down, so much so that the 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 block parties, the stage cameras caught him, and he got on screen, and the fans just start, started chanting, "Bring him up! Bring him up!" These these fans went nuts for this fake Shinsuke Nakamura. It was. Oh, what were some other highlights? Kenny Omega. Oh, the Kenny Omega guy was great. He was just. It looked awesome. I, we saw a few Kennys this week, and it's he's not really one that comes to mind when you think about like cosplay. But I mean, we saw quite a few. Uh, yeah, not a ton, but a few who like did the hair. Dudes did did this the the stringy kind of you know curly um, blonde gray dye. Yeah, hair. Uh, I saw a few AJs. Um, very cool. Very cool. I love the people that dress up. Yeah. I think that really kind of adds to the whole feel of the event. And Way was just busy taking photos of everybody. Follow your follow the Lens stories while you can. These photos only last 24 hours. So hopefully they're still there by the time you check them out. If you're a patron, yep. postwrestlingcafe.com. Okay. Postwrestlingcafe.com is where you can go along with all of our Road Diary podcasts from the weekend. But then we made our way into the Superdome and uh, went through the whole staff. Everyone very cool. They brought us up. I'm thinking of one thing. Yes. The big question this year, did John Pollock get a desk? Okay. I am am starting to look at WrestleManias where I'm going to judge them based on the media accommodations. Last year was a low point, which I think it's only fair to sing the praises of this year's setup, which was my favorite to date. Really? Not only did I have a desk space, it was already a win once I realized that there was a wooden object in front of me that I can place my laptop upon and type notes on. That was alone that alone was a win. Then on top of it, I'm one of those people way when I go to a movie theater, I'm always hoping I'm not going to have that person next to me. You excluded. You way was to my right, the person to my left never showed up, so I had some nice space at the end. Sure. There was coffee there. There was a bathroom right next to us right behind us we didn't have to go anywhere our parking was literally outside of the media entrance it took us five minutes from our workspace to get here unlike last year that was just horrendous in every which way Mm -hmm. this was a total win on the media side of things of just the coverage and something i have always been a vocal about uh the overall media Behavior mm-hmm. to me an all time high. Mm, okay, everybody was professional. In the past, you you felt like people were just kind of there to get get a free show, just hanging out. Fans, yes. yes. And when you are covering this, and I know some people will look at pro wrestling as oh, it's silly. I don't look at it like that. And I think that when you are media covering this, you are to do it professionally and not be chanting, not to be singing along, not to be uh, not to be fans. You are there to cover an event, and tonight. Yeah, I think that tells you something, Way, about kind of the the evolution of wrestling media. And, you know, probably a lot of people here that aren't covering it on a daily beat either. Mm -hmm. But nonetheless, I think that that was notable. Potentially, yeah. I mean, wrestling, as we all know, is getting a lot more attention now from the mainstream press and perhaps a lot of representatives uh, out tonight. Anyway, so there, uh, did you have any additional notes before we get into the event? We have a lot to discuss. We've got a long show to talk about, so let's get into it. Yes, Way is concerned about the length. It's going to be a a And my battery on my laptop. This is completely gorilla completely mobile we're good we're We're good we're good okay so the show kicked off with the kickoff uh with the andre the giant memorial battle royal i would say on a interest level uh this belonged at the bottom as it as and it was positioned perfectly uh, yes how did you like the idea of putting like the traditional buffer matches on the kickoff 
you, but in the past, they've never put the Andre Battle Royal as a buffer match. Um, they've put it late in the show before. Have they? Okay. It's been on anyway, the kickoff, but it's also I, been late in the show in past personally, times. Personally, I didn't mind um, seeing it in execution because this, they gave this Battle Royal quite a bit of length. This thing and, went uh, over 16 minutes. Yeah, and I feel like putting this in the middle of this card in in place of some of the matches that we would see later on, I, I think would have really drained the crowd, and not in a good way. Instead of resetting them, I think it would have had the same effect as the clusterfuck at Joey Janela's spring break, where yep. we just wanted it to end because we all wanted to go home. So I had no issues at all with where this was placed. Yeah, I more and more, I just feel like the buffer match is just... Like, people explain it, and it it makes sense that, well, you're so high, you need to come down a little. But we've been to enough shows where you allow them to come down a bit, very hard to bring them back up. And sure. that sometimes is a risk. No crowd is the same as the other. Yeah. So you're never going to have a perfect winning formula. And I think that's been the story of a lot of these shows we've been to, Way Whether it be length, whether it be positioning of matches, very hard to present a show where you can have a constant build and peak for the main event and go off on a high. Mm-hmm. By the way, on that note, uh, for those of you who are only tuning in to this on the free feed and are unaware of the entire week that John and I have had, we've done podcasts the entire week covering a, a wide number of shows. They're uh, available on our Patreon feed. So. I did the math, and I think if we ha- include Matt Riddle's Bloodsport, I think you and I are approaching 60 matches we have watched since uh, Thursday. I mean, that tells you something about the quality of all that, all those matches. If I, by, by this point, 12 midnight on the Monday, I'm still, you know, quite energetic about yes. wrestling. So anyway, you you were you were talking about the idea of a buff- buffer match. The thing is, like as 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 we saw on this show, there are not. You can use segments as buffers, yes. and that's what things like the Hall of Fame induction kind of serve as. You know, just a, a bit of a movie call. trailers. Yeah. Beyond that, even there are matches, portions of matches that could also act as buffers. You know, quiet like the start of that Shane McMahon Daniel Bryan match. I thought was a pretty calm period that allowed the crowd to kind of quiet down before Daniel Bryan came. It's funny you bring that up as well about segments. Is I can already feel this is going to be a long show. Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts. Way sure. Did we have one backstage segment tonight? No. We we didn't have one interview backstage. Mm-hmm. We didn't have any nope. like the legends in the back. We had none of that. This was a wrestling packed show with mm-hmm. fourteen matches. They did not have time to play around. Yeah, we didn't have. Even like uh, the closest we got was like Elias for a non-wrestling segment. I'll say that. Um, yeah, this was a pretty much an entire show that played out in front of this crowd. I mean, you could you could argue, you know, something like a that Cena segment, largely could, should have been maybe a back backstage thing or could have been a backstage thing, but instead it played out in in, in front of everybody and it was kind of yeah, it was it was totally fine. It was entertaining. They introduced the announced team for the Andre the Giant Battle Royal, Byron Saxton, Jerry Lawler, and a huge pop for Jim Ross when they announced them uh, seated ringside. So the match begins. um, All the cast of characters that you would imagine finding their way into this match. I wouldn't say uh, any major names uh, if you want to consider what... Dolph Ziggler and Kane and Baron Corbin were kind of the... Matt Hardy. Featured guy. And Matt Hardy. Yes. yes, of course, Matt Hardy. Um, Ty Dillinger. Ty you know, Dillinger was in there. Shine. Aiden English got a big reaction, but was eliminated instantly, and the crowd was chanting Rusev Day in protest. This was also the first time that they showed John Cena in the audience. Yeah, he was out there, uh, save for a bathroom break, like, pretty much for couple hours there was a great cutaway like of this first cutaway where the camera cuts to cena and cena does the thing where he acts surprised when he sees himself on the big screen it was 
It was probably funnier He's than still I a big thought. fan of seeing himself yes. on, on television. Um, lots of eliminations. Uh, we won't go through all of them here. Some that stood out was Zack Ryder setting up for a broski boot to Ziggler, but then Mojo Rawley tackled him and eliminated him. Kane had a bunch of eliminations in this. Uh, Goldust went for the Shattered Dreams, but then Dolph backbody dropped him out there. Goldust was kind of a sentimental favorite amongst the audience and was gone. Ty Dillinger and Matt Hardy went back-to-back with Chance of 10 and Delete uh, back to back with one another. Ziggler jumped onto Kane's back and then was tossed out to the floor. That was Dolph's WrestleMania moment. Yeah. yeah. Dumped out in the Battle Royal. Mm-hmm. And then Corbin came from behind, eliminating Kane, and that led it to, uh, it came down to Kane, Matt Hardy, and Mojo, Mojo Rawley. Um, the lights went out. Bray Wyatt appeared in the ring as Bray Wyatt, and uh, we had seen him actually in the back as we were get, going upstairs to the uh, the media area. I've actually seen him on Bourbon Street. He was <laughs> like I saw him on one of the balconies partying one of the evenings. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Did you go up and party with him? Um, no. No. No, I didn't do that. You didn't have a Bray party. Bray party. Well, that's going to be the name. Bray Bray Hardy, isn't oh, he? Is he now indoctrinated? Oh, okay. Sorry. Uh, Hardy threw out Mojo, and then. Uh, Corbin, oh sorry, Corbin was part of this final four. Corbin got dumped out, and since Bray wasn't actually part of the match, he wasn't eliminated. Matt was the winner at 1634. Bray Wyatt still is Bray Wyatt, but now seems to be a babyface aligned with Matt Hardy. The two embraced afterwards to form this alliance. I think you definitely needed to do something with Bray. This is something. Yeah, I mean, well, last we saw Bray, he fell into the lake of reincarnation, and I think everybody expected perhaps a gimmick change. No gimmick change. Uh, no gimmick change. He looks the same, you know, uh, same pretty much everything. Uh, just the only thing different now is that he seems to be buddies with Matt Hart. The cult leader is now um, subservient. Yeah. And then afterwards, uh, Matt Hardy tweeted out a photo featuring him, himself, Bray Wyatt, and Jeremy Borash. Jeremy Borash. Tweeting something about, you know, how... The Wizard of Oz of the final deletion. Yes. Uh, tweeting about how... Uh, they will document their next journey, whatever, together. So expect more videos in the fashion of the final deletion. What's do, do you think Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt have a have a lens app? Oh. Do you think they're going to be putting out videos? I, I would support that Patreon. <laughs> sure. If there was a final deletion Patreon, count me in. Bray, uh, Braytreon. Please, John. It's early. Oh, my God. We, it's only our first match. We got 14. So I'm curious to see where this goes. What this also tells me is that I... I'd be surprised if Jeff Hardy is thrown into this group. Mm-hmm. I wonder if Jeff Hardy is going to be unto his own, even though he was part of the Ultimate Deletion. If yeah, I think he's a very valuable tool in that whole storyline. I think you should reintroduce Jeff Hardy as part of it, and then maybe have some matches between the three of them. We'll see. I thought the Andre Battle Royal was good for what it was. Honestly, like it was just these really are just excuses to get everybody on the on the show, uh, but. I think giving it to somebody like a Matt Hardy, you're going to get more value out of the Andre Battle Royal than you probably would with anyone else. You know, Cedric Alexander versus Mustafa Ali was up next for the vacant cruiserweight title. Drake Maverick at ringside, and this match was really interesting to me because John, you and I follow 205 Live. Uh, I wonder how many people in attendance tonight do. Uh, but this was an important match to you and I, and I think what was curious to both of us was to see how the crowd would react. Would they shit on this? They didn't shit on this. Not at all. Um, they were, like, this was not Buddy Murphy and Kalisto on Tuesday. I didn't feel no. this was a match designed to go out there and steal the show on the kickoff. I don't think that they 
were put in that position to go out and have that kind of a match. Uh, but this was, you know, good match between these two. I thought the storytelling in this match was really strong. And again, you know, I have to preface that by saying it's kind of tough to tell some of the nuances sitting from where we were. We were really high up in the Superdome, but uh, we did have monitors. But it, the monitors weren't really set up with... Uh, oh, I watched the main screen in the uh, in the stadium, yeah. the whole show. Uh, but, I mean, a lot of nuances, I thought, were in this match because of the, the concept of the match was th- that this was the heart versus the soul. So it was two guys coming out there living their dream of both wrestling re- at WrestleMania and both trying to uh, show either their soul or their heart. Ali came out in some cool gear as well. Um, Ali landed a somersault face buster and then got hit with a standing Spanish fly. Moments later, they go to the top. Ali hit a Spanish fly off the top. Yeah. And John Cena loved this. <laughs> Cena's reactions were very funny. He was stealing this. Yeah. Maybe um, Charlotte saw this as well. That could be one criticism is that there was a bigger Spanish fly spot on this show, and it was in pretty close proximity to this match. I didn't make that connection, like, because I've seen so many Spanish flies already this week. Well, you're numb to to the move, but for a large amount of people... They they both got good reactions, though. Ali went for the 0-5-4. Alexander pulled out his leg, and he uh, dropped to the floor. And Ali then returned to the ring, hit a reverse Rana, tornado DDT, climbed to the top to go for the 0-5-4 again. Alexander got his foot on the rope after it was hit. And then Ali went for another, missing, and Alexander recovered. Lumbar check at 12-18, so Cedric Alexander becomes the Cruiserweight champion. I thought, like, a fine, good match, not at the highest level we've seen over the past uh, six to eight weeks on 205 Live some of the Roderick Strong matches, and as recently as last Tuesday with Buddy Murphy and Kalisto. But I thought they had a good effort, and I think the moral was like, this audience was, they got into the match. I think this was the perfect place to put it, and and they reacted at a time when they were just happy to see wrestling this early in the show. Absolutely. I mean, this was the first real match outside of the Battle Royal, so it shows you how an audience could react to a Cruiserweight match or to a 5 Live show if you put it before your your big star power matches. I thought these two did great. I mean, initially I thought they were going to put this as the main event of the kickoff and you know, best case scenario was this match ending stealing the show, uh the two of them raising each other's hands to a full arena full of applause. It wasn't exactly that, but the, they they still got it this is awesome chan. You know, they got the respect of this crowd who was caught hungry for for this type of action. So, I thought they managed to capture the attention of what crowd was there and it was pretty it wasn't completely full but it was like i would say a good 80 80 percent there yeah by the way we we've talked about the last few wrestlemanias where the first match it's empty Uh, they got everybody in the gates opened what would you say 90 minutes before the first Um, before the kickoff even so probably two hours before the first match so this place was near full by the time that first match got into the ring with the battle royal yeah i thought they told their their heart and soul story pretty well it, and it wasn't a match that, that stole the show, but I don't think it should have stole the show. No, the kickoff really isn't designed for that. And I thought it was a good placement. I don't think putting two battle royals back-to-back would have been wise. So sure. you needed to break it up with something. Yep. Uh, that was our next match, the WrestleMania Women's Battle Royal. Michael Cole and Corey Graves were joined by Beth Phoenix and Paige, who sounded like she was getting over laryngitis here from the brief commentary I heard from here, her, and I wonder if this was kind of a unofficial tryout for Paige for something on commentary, or just a way to get her onto the show. It could have been either. Could have been either, yeah. Lillian Garcia was also the guest ring announcer here. A number of NXT women were 
entered into the battle royal with Bianca Belair, Peyton Royce, Kyrie Sane, Kavita Devi, Tynera Conti, and Dakota Kai. Uh, were yep. the representatives of NXT. The three horsewomen were the ones to get entrances. Everybody else came in together. Yes. Uh, all the women jumped Carmel at the beginning and dumped her out. And then Mandy Rose and DeVille tossed out Dana Brooke. So it was Mandy and DeVille kind of bullying everyone at the beginning. Then the NXT women all worked together, knocking down the main roster women. And they all stood at attention and started chanting, NXT, NXT. Mm-hmm. Anyway, got the crowd to do it a little bit. What what did you think of of introducing the NXT talent here? Like we've seen in the past, you know, guys like uh, Hideo Itami get brought into the the, uh, Andre Battle Royal. Yeah, no NXT talent in the Andre Battle Royal. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, in this case, they needed the bodies. I think the danger is, you know, always making your NXT talent seem unimportant. And that's why perhaps it was so important to give talent like Bianca Belair a bit of chance to shine in a match like this. Yeah, I thought it was minimal for Dakota Kai. I thought Bianca Belair actually got the most out of it. And I thought Kyrie Sane was an afterthought. I agree. Yeah. I mean, that elbow she did, and I think that got a decent reaction. But, but then like, she was dumped out immediately. Yeah. And, you know, it wasn't all that different from the Royal Rumble where she had more of a presence. But, again, it was yeah, not, mean, not like she is this phenomenon that is in NXT. These are like two appearances now on the main roster, and I'll say in NXT, she's been a bit of an afterthought as well, so maybe after uh, this takeover. I think she'd likely be a candidate to be plugged in with Shayna Baszler after Saturday. Mm -hmm. Um, So then Belair climbed to the top and landed a 450 splash. Um, I I really see a lot in Bianca Belair. I think she's going to be a great performer in the years to come uh, she did the hair whip in this match did the 450 and i thought she got the most out of the the six nxt women uh that, that's when way mentioned uh, sane landed the elbow and then was eliminated Liv morgan was lifted up uh kicked uh conti off the apron she was out we go to the the finish down the stretch there were just a plethora of eliminations coming down to sasha banks and bailey so we thought. And the crowd went nuts when they realized these were the final two. This was the only story going in, and they were really into this. And Bailey was able to eliminate Sasha, and everyone goes nuts thinking Bailey has won. But Naomi was cruising on the floor, returned, and then just hit the rear view and dumped out Bailey in 949. I certainly forgot about Naomi. We like, did see her on the floor, and yeah. I just chalked it up that it was one of the many eliminations that mm-hmm. just happened in succession. Uh, but they did show her on the floor, but yes, she was not actually eliminated. I thought a bit of a strange finish. It was just like pulling the rug out from the audience. Like, we gave you the win you wanted, and then we took it away, and not even a heel either. I, I don't know. It was someone that she's not even on the same show with. It's not... I don't know. It just didn't play sure. into I would have much rather Sasha played that role yeah. where she had disappeared and then comes back. But maybe that one would have been too obvious. That would have been really tough. I mean, I, Naomi is like sort of the right choice for something like this because she's not necessarily somebody you think about too much um, so that she could go missing and then you wouldn't really think about it. But it was a little strange because this was a baby face and this was a rather cheap win. Um, and there were a few of these on the show where it was just like pulling the rug out from under just I mean, such easy wins. The thing is, though, I mean, this show, from what you can, what I could tell, is built on surprises. And we saw matches that had surprises that got way bigger reactions than I think you and I expected. And then we saw matches with no surprises that didn't get any reaction. And this was an attempt to, again, surprise the crowd to elicit a reaction. So that concluded the pre-show. Um, you know, the, the battle royals to me weren't... Um, 
a whole lot. They were what they were. You they know, were what they were. They were they were like utility matches. But I thought you know the winners, uh, or, they told enough storyline in them to make them worthwhile. Then the main show itself started a big video about how we don't have a lot of time in this world, so let's enjoy the time we do have, which was an interesting start to a six-hour show of wrestling that you sure. were going to sit back and yeah. enjoy. Let's spend six, seven hours of my life on this. Uh, they did America the Beautiful, and then we started with the Intercontinental title, The Miz, Seth Rollins, and Finn Balor. Uh, do you want to tell us about the... First of all, we had like these... Like 3D entrances that um, you could see the viewer at home or on a screen could watch, but if you were there live, obviously you they could, were aug- could not see augmented reality. Okay, thank you. Uh, so, kind of so with it, way. Well, uh, but you know, like you, you've seen the UFC use these, you've seen other sports programs use these, um, but in pro wrestling, of course, they're far more uh, creative with it. And this was something I didn't even, we didn't even notice because we were mainly looking at the live setting. We didn't notice it until we looked up and all of a sudden, oh my God, where are these giant... The Miz had text flying at your head. Giant Miz text things. And you know, there, I, you and I have complained about text on the screen probably more, more than most podcasters. But I thought this was a case where it worked for me. I thought it looked cool. Uh, I, I liked it for Oscar. Oscar had the masks uh, coming out. I mean... Maybe I'd have a different reaction watching it where it's kind of more in my face than kind of live. It's, it was kind of hard to judge. It didn't leave a big impression on me. I thought it was kind of cool because I could compare, like, right in front of my eyes, the live, what it looks like live and what it looks like on TV. I thought it was neat. I mean, if they did it for everybody, I'd probably get sick of it. But that first time seeing it, I thought it was cool. Seth Rollins came out uh, wearing the, the Ice King. Night King. Night King? Yeah, don't you watch, do you watch Game of Thrones? I've never watched Game Dude, of Thrones. I don't, I don't watch that shit either. Ice King. A lot of people watch. What's his name? The Night King. Night King. Yes. So, um, no flame pants, but... Um, He's he, gone the total opposite now, it seems yeah, like. Sure. Had, like, the blue contact lenses. Yeah. But I think the 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 entrance to that maybe uh, will be even more... Ah, perhaps... Okay, so, we, you, we were talking about whether or not the demon would show up, right? This was WrestleMania. Finn Balor lost on Monday. Kind of opens up the the the, uh, the door for the demon to show up. We didn't get the demon. Instead, what kind of special entrance did we get? Uh, we got the, uh, the demonstration of fans that were coming out to uh, cheer on Finn Balor yeah. in his new uh, uh, T-shirt. Uh, yeah. That they're making. They're essentially making Finn Balor like this mm-hmm. representative for the LGBT community. Yeah, which is these were shirts that kind of like showed up out of nowhere this week at WrestleMania weekend. The first I heard of it was seeing Sonya Deville tweet out tweet it tweeted out uh, saying how 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 much she loves it and how much it means to her to have a short shirt like that support it. It's a Finn Balor shirt for people who haven't seen it. It's a Balor Club shirt. Yeah, BC in the, with the triangle. And the tagline is now for everyone. For everyone, uh, and it's rainbow colored, mm-hmm. uh, like basically rainbow stripes. In the BC logo, and these were very popular. Uh, I don't. I, I wouldn't say necessarily that everybody wore them, but like, I thought it was a big statement. You know, the fact that a WWE released product is is saying this. I think. I think is huge. And they saw this, and I guess they saw some some success. So much some success with it that they decided to make it a of a focal part of his entrance. Finn Balor came out with that rainbow-colored BC logo on his tights. This was a group of people of all, you know, uh, 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 genders, uh, I think all races. I, I, I didn't check. I didn't check everybody. But it was meant to represent, hey, 
Uh, Balor Club now is not just a Bullet Club, you know, uh, knockoff. It is something different. It is something that's supposed to encapsulate uh, equality and acceptance of, you know, whatever. So, and I, and I think it's great. something to be applauded. Uh, and beyond WWE, I, I think wrestling as a whole, not exactly your place you narrow in on for, for social statements, uh, and, or at least progressive ones. Yeah. Um, but here we have in 2018 between Finn Balor and I think what they're doing with the Golden Lovers. I think it's... Yeah, the pessimistic side of me just says that, hey, they saw how this worked for Kenny and, and they decided to maybe cash in on it. But, I mean, either way, who cares? Well, like, thus far, it hasn't been your WWE let's hit everybody over the head mm-hmm. with what wonderful people we are. Sure. This is, like, relatively subtle. It's not. Yeah. It's not over the top where it's just... You kind of it's very transparent of what their objective is, and it's a marketing effort. This doesn't uh, this doesn't hit you like other campaigns the company has done. I think also the idea that they didn't do the demon for this, which I'm sure was at least considered, probably shows you how serious they take the character and and how much they want to protect it to to introduce it perhaps at a time when it makes more sense for story. So the three way match um, early on, Balor landed a Topekan hero, and then. Rollins went for a springboard and got knocked off balance by Miz, and then Miz went after Balor's knee for quite a while, including a figure four that was broken up by a Rollins frog splash off the top. Um, Lots of uh, just transitions here with with all three guys getting involved. Rollins hit his superplex to Balor, but when he went for the follow-up Falcon's arrow, Balor countered with an inside cradle, which got a two-count, and then Miz immediately hit a skull-crushing finale to Rollins for another near fall. Ended with Miz and Balor being knocked down on the turnbuckle, and Rollins attempted a springboard, but was hit with a skull-crushing finale off the top by Miz. Balor then landed the coup de gras. Uh, Balor hit a second one to Miz, and then Rollins returned with a stomp to Balor, a stomp to Miz, and it's Rollins who got the pinfall, pinning the Miz, and thus ending uh, his chase for the most uh, cumulative days as Intercontinental Champion, which can resume at a later yeah. date. He was, I thought for sure he was keeping it, because they mentioned on the broadcast it's 22 days away, which means the record-breaking day would be right after Raw, where you could build an episode around him keeping the title. But, I mean, whatever. They'll revisit that at some point. Yeah, yeah. I thought this was a great opener. Uh, you know, uh, I think... My choices for opening match was either this one or the uh, U.S. title match featuring Rusev. And your hot match of the weekend. Oh yes, the one I, I was. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll talk more about the that. match that I thought there was no way they could screw up. <laughs> so I mean, seeing the reaction. By the way, yeah, all over town, Rusev was certainly this year's Bray Wyatt in terms of popularity. That Rusev Day chant was just everywhere. Yes. It was the yes chant of yes. of the show. Yes. Now. Okay, we'll talk more about that match. So, I mean, I thought that would have been a perfect opener. But, you know, I think putting this there instead was a, maybe a better choice. It was an incredibly fast-paced match. Essentially what, you know, your cruiserweight matchup, uh, except with a bit more star power. I thought Rollins and Balor had a great match on Monday. And the question back then was, could they top that match in this setting? I feel they did. I mean, I think given the atmosphere and the context of this match being in WrestleMania, it felt like this was better... By the time this ended, it felt like this could have been a show stealer. Yeah, I, I thought it was a really good opener. Um, yeah, it was kind of exactly where I thought it would be. I thought it was going to be a very good early match in the card um, that by the end of the show would probably be a bit of a distant memory. But this this was a very good match. And Rollins has the IC title now. 
And what do you think of Rollins with the title? Does that surprise you? I thought he was the guy I least expected to win. Well, um, yeah, maybe somewhat. I thought that Miz was going to keep the title here. Um, but with Rollins, uh, this opens up the door for him possibly to move to SmackDown. I think that would freshen things up a little for him. But they've made... I think he's going to get like a pretty big run with this, and you could probably continue with him and Balor out of this as well because he was the one that didn't take the fall. Uh, 15-27, that match went. Next up, Charlotte and Asuka. Were you surprised this went on so early? Not entirely because, I mean, something had to give, right? You know, if not this, then it would have been AJ versus Nakamura or Nia versus, you know, whoever. And uh, Sorry, Nia versus uh, Alexa, but... The fact that this went on, I I wasn't disappointed at all because this wasn't going to close the show either way. No, it was not. Charlotte had this incredible entrance. It was done, it was a tribute to Triple H's entrance from 2014 in the same stadium, which Charlotte was a part of when she was in NXT with Sasha Banks and Alexa Bliss. Yeah, also set to her dad's theme. Yeah, she came out to to the the older version um, of the... Of the theme. Yeah, I don't know the proper name of it. I just call it the Space Odyssey. Yes, thing. the theme. Uh, I love this entrance. Like, there were some spectacular entrances on the show. We probably don't talk about that enough. The f- Like, the grandeur and the production of WrestleMania. It is top-notch. Oh, like, yeah. In all of professional wrestling, okay? And in, in maybe in all of sports. Um, and I thought an entrance like this was nothing, spe- like, that fancy. There weren't, like, there wasn't pyro. Or maybe there was pyro. I don't remember. But it was just, like, lighting and just thought and music. And I thought it was just, like, so multi-layered in that it paid tribute to Triple H. It tri- paid tribute to her father. Yes. And I just, like, it felt incredibly powerful. The, 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 the members of the press in front of us stood up and applauded this. Because, like, hearing that song and conjuring up those images of Ric Flair seeing WrestleMania in front of you was was an incre- incredibly powerful thing and it, it it sucked me right into this match. Yeah, it just instantly felt like an important match and this is what I said I thought this was going to be a sleeper on the show because it wasn't a match that had a big build to it but one that I thought was going to be really good and I we'll discuss the finish but the actual match here Oscar sent Charlotte to the floor with a hip attack and then throughout the match Charlotte is holding her left arm in pain. Charlotte went for a moonsault off the top, landed in a triangle, broke free, applied a Boston Crab, which Asuka was able to escape and went back to the arm and shoulder. Asuka hit a vertical suplex to Charlotte off the apron to the floor. And then Charlotte and Asuka went to the top, and this is when Charlotte hit a Spanish fly that Asuka kicked out of. It looked very impressive. Asuka countered the natural selection into a submission. Charlotte escaped that. Then Asuka attempted the Asuka lock with Charlotte rolling on top of her for a two count. Charlotte got up hit a big spear for a near fall, and you know what? I don't even have the... Okay, from there after the spear is when she set up and applied the figure eight with... One arm. One arm to because she was selling the other, and the bridge was unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, often when you think about WrestleMania where these spots, you think about, you know, Brock Lesnar doing a shooting star press. You don't think about a woman... (laughs) Bridging up with one arm, but I would say this was that level. If there were two Charlottes, you could open up a McDonald's franchise. <laughs> That's how incredible this arch looked. Yes, yes, it was wonderful. Well, uh, okay, so she does the move, and then what happens? Asuka taps out at 13.06. I love this match. I thought this was great. Mm-hmm. Um, I had high expectations for it, and it was met. 
you could certainly argue that there was way more options with an Oscar victory and taking that off the table to go for what I felt was just the surprise of Oscar's streak ending in the same stadium where the Undertaker's ended and what what was the value Charlotte got versus what was the value lost with Oscar? And I think you can't uh, I think you can appreciate this match as I did by also looking at the booking here that this felt like a surprise finish. And we even discussed the idea that this could be one of those matches that that was a finish that they do to surprise people. Potentially, yeah. I mean, I certainly I'm sure there's an element of surprise that's that was attached to the booking, but I feel like it wasn't just done for that reason. I think you can we can expect Asuka to perhaps switch brands or at least maybe Maybe these two might split, or maybe they'll, they'll stay together. I don't know. But I think from what we've seen, I don't think the WWE really knows how to book winning streaks, or maybe they just don't believe in winning streaks because it paints you, it puts you into like a, a, a really tough corner when you have to do matches every single week. You know, you, the, the, the type of streak of like, you know, the Undertakers though is something different because you only visit that once a year. Yeah. But when you make a, a person's winning streak her, her only thing every single week, it makes a lot of matches awfully predictable. That's my thinking. I'm not saying it was the right move or, or that Charlotte should have been the one to get it. But to me, that is perhaps why I think they decided to end it on the biggest stage when they could, giving that value to This Charlotte. was not Charlotte losing at Fastlane last year. So I felt if you're going to end it, WrestleMania isn't the worst place to do it. And I thought it was a really great match. It was very good, yeah. And I think that long-term, they're probably looking at the big match involving the women is not Ronda and Asuka, although that's probably something they'll get to, but rather Charlotte and Ronda at some point. Yeah, yeah, I see that. I see that. Um, and I see a rematch with these two down the line. I mean, it's it, it already... You could even go to it right away uh, because it's... Now the person who ended Charlotte's streak, or sorry, Asuka's streak. So I think it's a big deal. The match I, I really enjoyed. I I wasn't as excited about this match uh, going into it until those entrances. This match had such a grand epic feel about it. Yes. Um, that the match itself really lived to, and I have lived up to. And I have to wonder if that feeling would have been there had this match gone on later on in the card. I thought it was a great positioning. I think these two women benefited from being on so early, and it felt so important. Um, you know, watching the two women's matches, this felt like the the more prestigious version of the women's title. Oh, absolutely. By leaps and bounds. Absolutely. I think it was that going into this match. Yeah. Suppose. And I, I think Charlotte's been kind of very much on the back burner. And I thought this was certainly um, energized her character. And yeah. I really enjoyed the match. So I wasn't as upset about the streak ending. I think you did compromise some things. But also, uh, it's also going to put a focus now on Asuka of how she adapts now without the streak. Mm-hmm. Uh, because that's something she has had since uh, day one, if you are not following Battle Royals and house shows. Um. Asuka got on the microphone after and said that Charlotte is ready for Asuka, congratulated her, handed her the title, and they hugged in the ring, which was would later play into uh, a swerve near the, uh, later when they would sure. replicate this somewhat. I can see that. I yes. can see that if this was done back-to-back with that other one, how this might seem a little weird. Uh, I thought it was a beautiful moment when these two congratulated one another because, you know, in the we... I think we do have to take a step back and look at how far women's wrestling has come in the WWE. I mean, yes, I know they try to you know, just kill it by, by reminding us all the time with this women's revolution thing. But, okay, forget that. And compare 
the women's title matches of 10 years ago compared to this. A match that a lot of people stole the show. It was the best match of the show. And, and nobody... We looked at this like it was a dream match. We looked at this like it was a big epic match, and it delivered. So I, I really do think women's wrestling has come a long way. Yeah, and uh, I did an interview with uh, our friend uh, Mark Raimondi after the show, and he was asking me, uh, this is for Cage Side Seats if you want to check it out, by the way. Um, he was asking me, do you feel that there is a women's match that could headline WrestleMania uh, in a year? And I think if it's going to happen... I think it's Ronda Rousey and Charlotte. I think that that is the match that mm-hmm. could do it, especially being in a market like New York, because for this next year, New Jersey doesn't really exist. No way. By the way. The whole campaign, by the way, is returning to New York City. Yeah. We are going back to New York City for a stadium event in New Jersey. Last year it was, uh, or sorry, last time it was New York, New Jersey, but yes, now it's just strictly New York. They were saying New York, New Jersey up until tonight when this ad aired. And it's just all built around New York. Like, it is New York, New York, New York. It's anyway. A bit, it's a bit more attractive. But do you think that's possible? Rousey and Charlotte, could that be Seeing, a match that goes on last at WrestleMania, which a lot would need to happen over the next year? Yeah. And but I think, watching tonight's show, that felt like the match that a year out you could make. Well, if you asked me before tonight, I mean, I would say that, that that was probably inevitable, but not necessarily next year. The fact that this match took place and showed and impressed probably everybody who watched it so much more than some of the other matches that we had high expectations for later on in the show, I definitely think it's much more of a possibility now than than it was before this match. And going out on a limb, if they have earmarked for next year to do something monumental like that, I have less criticism of Asuka's streak ending. If that is your big match for next year Mm -hmm. and Charlotte and Rousey are going to go on tears for the next year Mm -hmm. for that ultimate collision in a year... I don't have as big a problem of the streak ending because it's ending for a purpose to build to something bigger. Randy Orton, Bobby Roode, Jinder Mahal, Rusev for the United States title. I put down what I was doing. I put down, I shut off my laptop, shut out my phones, uh, snuck to the front row. Of the, of the arena. There was one match Way went out to view from the crowd. It wasn't this one. <laughs> The audience, though, they went insane when they heard Aiden English. Like, just, they were so happy to see Rusev. He came out to an enormous reaction. I could not fathom this match without this guy. I joke about this match a lot, uh, but the addition of Rusev really was was a game changer for this match. It was much harder to make fun of this match after that. And and if there was one thing that I think we could all count on was the fact that this match was going to give us some really great entrances between Bobby Roode. I'd I'd put Jinder Mahal in there as well, but of course... Rusev and Aiden English. Sunil Singh introduced gender. Um, yeah, it, no penises for Randy Orton, so that's great. A, that's a no movie. graphics yeah. and no no sperm, uh, no, no sperm right? Yeah. Uh, so anyway, we start here. Rusev hit a somersault off the apron. Big Rusev Day chance throughout the match. Orton hit a superplex to Rude and then uh, tossed him shoulder first into the post. Rusev missed a spinning heel kick to Orton and then took a draping DDT. And Orton setting up for the RKO and ended up hitting RKOs to Aiden English, to Rusev, and Mahal. Rude returned, avoided an RKO, hit the glorious DDT. Mahal broke it up. And then Sunil Singh got onto the apron. Rusev took him out with a high kick. And then he turned around. He was hit with the Coloss. And Jinder Mahal pinned Rusev at 8.14 to win the United States title. The match that I thought was so goddamn easy. Like, Mm -hmm. the safest pop of the night. Just seal it, put it in the mailbox, it will deliver. They not only 
beat... They not only didn't put the title on Rusev, he took the fall. This, stupid. Yeah. Way too much overthinking, and this was just a, we'll tell you when this guy is going to be popular. I feel like the show was betting a thousand, uh, perhaps up until this point. And, And again, with decisions like this... Sometimes we can wait and see what comes out of it. I'm not waiting and seeing on this. If you were so gung-ho on Jinder Mahal as U.S. champion over the guy that was the most popular person this weekend, then you pin Bobby Roode. I mean, I was going to suggest that perhaps they're doing something like this uh, for the Raw afterwards. You know, when guys like Fandango and, you know, like a Daniel Bryan would receive intense reactions. And I guarantee you tomorrow you'll hear big Rusev Day chants. And I was just, I'm thinking, are they giving him the Daniel Bryan push by continuing to push to have him specifically lose in situations where the crowd desperately wants him to win, only to build more favor? It could be that. And, I mean, it's hard to say whether or not that's the better option than to give Rusev the win here. Um, But I certainly did feel like a lot of energy was let out uh, after this, yes. But the whole point is... You want to get to a point where the audience cares this much about a guy, and you're there. This was the finish line. Okay, but then what? Then he comes out Tuesday for the biggest Rusev Day celebration of all time. Okay, and then what? And then what? Yeah. You've got a super over baby face. Who, who are you going to feud with him? And over what? Take your pick. I mean, it's it's debatable, it's arguable, but I mean, I could understand their their logic, but it, it all remains to be seen how they continue with Rusev. As long as Rusev receives focus and isn't just put on the undercard or not on SmackDown, I mean, I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt at least for one week. Wow, what to me, it's when you're talking about such an undercard title, wrestling doesn't need to be this hard. Sure, it doesn't need to be yeah, this difficult. I agree with that. Uh, Eight fourteen, they went. Jinder Mahal won. Um, I'm not really including the Battle Royals, but I would say this would be the weakest match of the traditional matches. Yes. yes. I would say the weakest I, I was ha- the men's Battle Royal. I had to think about it because I think weakest and most disappointing are two different things. Oh, and I'm not talking about what's to come. I'm just saying up until this oh, point in the show. Point, okay. Up until this point. Uh, then we had uh, Ronda Rousey and Kurt Angle against Triple H and Stephanie McMahon. The reaction... First of all, Hunter and Stephanie came out on these giant, like, three-wheel, giant motorcycle, like... Oh, we got an alarm. Th- it's Hunter and Stephanie, I think, coming. Yeah, um, we, we are still in the parking garage. Most of the cars have let out, but uh, John and I still remain. Yeah, we uh, might, what are we going to do about that? It's, oh, it's gone. It's gone for now. Yeah. Uh, just a big entrance by Hunter and Stephanie, very reminiscent of last year's entrance mm-hmm. between the two. Except you had two motorcycles. Actually, you had a whole... Yes, Stephanie ca- was on one as well. Cavalcade of motorcycles. Yes. But Stephanie yes. drove drove her own this time. Yes. So, um, oh my There Lord. she is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Clearly. Yeah. So they came out. Then Kurt came out, which, you know, I thought, you know, he came out. It was just... Let's, let's wait for this. Let's wait for this. See you, Steph. All right. Angle comes out, uh, big entrance for him for his first WrestleMania in 12 years. Got fireworks this year. He did get fireworks. Yep. And then Bad Reputation hit, and Ronda came out, and my God, was this entrance just enormous, this reaction. She was so popular. She had I, the same type of uh, you know reaction as any celebrity would at a WrestleMania. 
Except this was a celebrity that is taking wrestling a lot more seriously than your Mike Tysons or your Floyd Mayweathers. Yes. Stephanie yanked Rousey by the hair before the bell rang and Angle had to hold her back. Then the match itself begins and it's a lot of Hunter and Angle and Stephanie just being a total heel throughout this, including um, knocking Angle into the steps from behind after Hunter had thrown him in and the whole structure was building to Rousey's hot tag to get her hands on Stephanie. And I thought that the intergender, or sorry, the mixed tag rules rather, uh, worked really well because all you need to do is build to a tag to Ronda and instantly Stephanie's incorporated into the match. Yeah. And that worked here. It was the same thing that we saw with the Braun Strowman matches in the mixed match challenge where the game was to hold Braun back as long as you can or, or to prevent Alexa from tagging as long as you can because Alexa tagging in meant instant death for whoever's partner was uh, on the male side of things. Uh, I thought that went really well. How did you feel about Kurt Angle and Triple H in there together? I thought it was fine. If you are comparing this to their chemistry in the early 2000s, this was not that. It uh, felt slower. Uh, it felt like a much slower Kurt Angle. But I thought their timing was really good, yep. especially down the stretch. Like, I didn't think they were a deterrent at all. No, not at all. And I wonder if, part, you know, the pace of it was intentional to make people want to see Ronda come in. I think very much it was. It was to Angle to be selling heavy, heavy, heavy. And Angle... Like, look at some of the matches we've seen where Angle just would go full out in Mm, matches. This was a match where he had to be the unselfish one because he was not the star of the team or the match. And the fast one was Ronda. Yes. And boy, was she fast. When this hot tag was made, this place exploded as Rousey attacked Stephanie. Uh, Rousey hit a suplex into a urinagi and then attacked Stephanie with work punches that on day one were only ten times... A million times better than Shane McMahon's. For for every MMA fan who's ever criticized Ronda Rousey's striking oh my God. in UFC, please give me more of Ronda Rousey's striking. Because in pro wrestling, she looks like she looks like Anderson Silva. She looked great here. She her punches looked awesome. She teased the arm bar. People went crazy. She's also using. Um, what is best described in pro wrestling terms is like a spin into a Samoan drop, which Rousey pointed out to everyone is the kata garuma mm-hmm. in judo terms and sure. used this a handful of times. She also used a urinagi, which I'm sure has some judo yes. context as well. Yes, definitely. Um, then we built up to Rousey being left in the ring alone with Hunter and the referees explaining that they can't have male versus female, but Hunter moves the referee and ref away and is willing to go at it with Rousey. She, 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 he moves the ref away and then has to kind of like play out with his body a big scene of him conveying that he is okaying this rule change for now because he is the boss. And that was the and, whole thing in the build up to this match. We make the rules. Yeah. And I thought like Hunter did a great job of like acting this out. It's not easy to act out a rule change to an audience but I thought he did good and of course the announcers really hit it home afterwards. Too. So Rousey attacks Hunter with punches and then and did this like roll onto his stomach, lifted him up, like dead lifted him up onto her shoulders. Oh, the rolling into the fireman's carry oh. was, I mean, again, like a judo thing executed masterfully. And somebody that, something that, you know, I think judo is a very pretty martial art and it's a very devastating martial art. And to have somebody at the level of Ronda Rousey, who is one of the best in the world at it, put, put it into effect in a, in a pro wrestling context, that was what I was most excited for. When and I heard, she... And she held him up there for a while because Stephanie was clearly late 
coming in for the save, mm-hmm. and Ronda just had to kind of kill time with this dude on his shoulder, on her shoulders. Angle attacks Hunter with German suplexes. He avoided the angle slam, and then Hunter was sent into the corner. He hit the angle slam. Hunter kicked out of that. Stephanie's back in, and Angle catches her kick and goes for the ankle lock. Uh, but then uh, Hunter made the save, hits the pedigree. Ronda returns to break up the cover, and then Ronda counters a pedigree with a hurricane Ronda to Hunter and applies an arm bar to Triple H. Stephanie comes from behind with a rear naked choke. Stephanie gets flipped over onto her back and she goes for the arm bar while Angle applies the ankle lock to, to Triple H who ends up reversing out of it and Angle gets sent into Ronda so both Hunter and Stephanie are free. Hunter's backdrop to the floor by Angle leaving Ronda alone with Stephanie and she locks on the arm bar built it up to a fully applying it while Stephanie who showed tons of submission defense in this match easily a blue belt when they okay so, uh, so my expectations going into the match were, were that Stephanie the moment she locked on her very first armbar much like in MMA it was in, it's supposed to be instant death you know what I mean that's how her armbars were in, in MMA that's how armbars should be but this was a pro wrestling context when Stephanie though started blocking and getting out of Ronda Rousey's arm bars, the first one really took me out of this match. Because, I mean, that just doesn't happen, okay? That's not going to happen. She postured up. That's not going to happen with Triple... She postured up, so what? This is Stephanie McMahon. No, she postured up postured up fine, but she didn't kickstand. You know, she, she wasn't taught well enough how to block this thing. It was just like, hold on to the other arm. Whatever. Basically, that took me out of the match for a second, but then... You see the rest of the match, and you remind yourself, this isn't MMA, this isn't jiu-jitsu, this is pro wrestling. And the goal of the pro wrestling is to not necessarily have everything feel super realistic, but to create drama with a, with a finishing move. And, and they at, did that. At the end, when she fully extended back and had it, Stephanie instantly tapped out. Yes. It was an instant tap, it wasn't the long selling. 20 minutes and 38 seconds, this was a home run. I put Ronda Rousey right at the level of D'Angelo Williams from last year, of someone that took to this instantly. I'd put her way, well uh, ahead because this was 10 times the pressure. This was 1,000 times the stage. Uh, Ronda Rousey, I thought all four were played their roles perfectly. This, The booking of Ronda, she felt like a world beater. I thought this was great. 20 minutes and 38 seconds. Uh, I thought the match of the show. I agree. I agree, and I didn't think I would be saying that coming out of this. I mean, I knew that they would do a really good job booking it, but I think it was what, very well laid out. From what we and they, yeah, they did a masterful job. But I mean, I think from seeing what limited we've seen of Ronda doing in ring in those segments, it didn't inspire a ton of confidence, especially with Stephanie. Though those expectations were completely blown away because Ronda did fucking great here. I I thought, I mean. It was different from how I expected the match. I expected Kurt and Triple H to kind of take the bulk of it. Hot tag to, to Ronda. She'll come in. Quick armbar. Done. It wasn't that. It was Ronda doing the majority of the work here. You know? She she did more than Kurt Angle. She was involved both with, with Stephanie and with Triple H. I thought the moments where she was in there with Hunter were awesome. Were spectacular. Like, there's something about, you know, seeing a woman stand up to a man that just like inspires everybody to cheer and all the women certainly like looked at this like like a huge moment and and I and, and, and it was never goofy too. either like, not at it all was just it was serious like here is the baddest woman on the planet who could probably legitimately beat the shit out of hunter if she wanted to okay i'm not i'm saying maybe don't don't just people are gonna like argue with me about that but whatever 
I it was it was just like it was a full wrestling it was everything match. it needed to be. It was a full wrestling match featuring Ronda Rousey doing her thing. I thought it was booked so well, created so many memorable moments that were timed really well to milk this audience's energy. Ronda's facial expressions, as always, were spectacular. Uh, her timing on a lot of those spots were really good too. So this probably went about as good as anybody thought and and probably better even her selling which would you would assume would be her weakest part i thought her facials were really good it was never like over the top goofy that selling can be sometimes for people that are new to this like she really impressed her, in this match her 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 reading and her like acting leaves a lot to be desi- desired but her physical acting and her physical intensity is is top notch is really good yeah and i guess the the interesting part now of how you follow up with Ronda is that like you don't want her to just be like her matches need to be special I agree and I think the the beauty of the Brock Lesnar situation was that they were forced to be limited because of the contract Ronda is not going to be someone that's going to play hardball or have limitations I think whatever is asked of her she will make happen so I really hope that they have a great plan for her because I think her matches should be special. I don't mm-hmm. think she should be doing four-minute matches on TV. I think that you should really keep her as special and unique, but also, you know, she's going to be involved a lot more heavily than Brock Lesnar is. It is true. At the same time, though, she is somebody who needs the experience. Not only, you know, of course, training at, at home, but to be on TV, to continue to read lines, to continue to get more comfortable on camera. Can you still achieve that by making her a limited attraction? I think that you should... Like, we have seen what works with Ronda and what doesn't work with her, and I would not put her into situations where it's accentuating uh, weaknesses. And I... Yeah, but at the same time, you need those reps in order for people to get over those like, things. Like, she hasn't go out, gone out and, like, bombed with any promos. Came close, though. Which one? Mm. Uh, like she had the Dana Brooke say, thing, but that wasn't really uh, speaking. I mean, thus far, like the promo she came out with, and she was like moved to tears. Yeah. I mean, thus far, like she has been more than fine. She seems like a real beginner to me in in that department. Um, but she also shows glimpses of mastery in others. So it, she remains really interesting. So this this to me was was the highlight of the show. The camera cut to Dana White right after the finish, who had flew from Brooklyn mm-hmm. to, uh, where are we, in New Orleans, and attended the show. That's right, yeah. She was just, he was just there yesterday. He was just there for 223. He's probably like, I need a vacation. Yes. I need to get away from this this week that I've had. Uh, I I thought he would make a reappearance in the, in the main event. <laughs> you were Wouldn't convinced. that have been so great? Like you're you know what, given the way that finishes, the, you're your, your idea would have been great of Dana raising his arm. You're telling a storyline of Brock threatening to leave to the UFC, taking the WWE title to the UFC, and here's the leader of the UFC. Would have been a great visual to go off the show with. Um, so anyway, I, I thought that match was great. Yeah, and let's give credit to the rest of the participants involved. Yeah, I don't, I, like, yeah. everyone played their role perfectly. Yeah. Stephanie was so dislikable that it just maximized when Ronda got her hands on her. Hunter was, listen, he knows exactly what he's oh. doing in, and this is their project in Ronda, and he sold the hell for her. I, I, I don't, I never, like, um, lament the fact that Hunter and Stephanie are featured players at WrestleManias, because they're, I think they're actually that good, you know, like, Somebody like a Triple H and a Stephanie, they they just know exactly how to coach people to get the performances that they're looking for. And 
I mean, here's a 20-plus year veteran in Triple H that we don't talk about enough for being in the game that long and still being at the top of it. You know, so anyway, I'm, people are going to call me a corporate shill. No, it was hey, it was a great match. Today is not your day to be criticizing um, any of these uh, performers. The Usos, Kofi Kingston, and Big E and the Bludgeon Brothers for the SmackDown tag titles. The New Day came out with midgets dressed up as pancakes. Little people, John. Well, I think that's more like, okay. <laughs> as we heard, by the way, we're coming up to the media section. Yeah. And on the walkie-talkie, one of the people said, please stop saying handicapped. It's disabled. <laughs> and everyone in the uh, the media the, the WWE elevator crew. heard this. Yeah, the WWE staff were having fun. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, we had that entrance. Um, this was... This was a come-down match. This it was, was a buffer match. And yeah. a match that we didn't expect to be a buffer match. No, this was not the big match that you might have anticipated. Not a... Uh, not a fraction of the past New Day Usos encounters. This was largely just a slaughtering by the Bludgeon Brothers. Mm-hmm. The Usos attempted dives. They were caught by Eric Rowan on the floor, and then they suplexed him. Rowan then powerbombed Kingston inside the ring. The Usos were taken out, and they hit a super power bomb to Kingston off the second turnbuckle, and Luke Harper pinned him in 556. I've got to say pretty disappointing, given the year that the Usos had, their feud with the New Day. This was This was just... As close to a squash as we had on this match, on this card, with the Bludgeon Brothers winning. And yeah. this wasn't in a position to have a great match. Nope. It was just the Bludgeon Brothers running through two teams. In the grand scheme of things, I understand it. You know, the Bludgeon Brothers, I think, are their big project. They should be billed as monsters. And in their first challenging for the titles, they should have a performance like this. It's just unfortunate because, to me, the bigger storyline involved in all this was the fact that the Usos are finally be are, are finally getting a WrestleMania match. And when the time came, they were largely... They kind of felt like background players, you know? they were Their performances and their focus in the story was largely forgettable. Uh, I skipped over this, but right after the Oscar-Charlotte uh, post-match, a referee went up to John Cena in the crowd as we had been getting frequent uh, updates with John, drinking in the crowd, and he sprinted to the back after the Oscar match with Charlotte. So a couple matches later, after the tag title match on SmackDown, Cena comes out in his wrestling gear. He's waiting in the ring. Nothing happen- Nothing is happening, and he goes to leave. He thinks, well, it's another false alarm. The lights go out. Elias appears, asking, were you expecting somebody else? He asks Cena to leave, and Cena goes back to his sad seat in the crowd, and Elias starts singing. Cena returns, attacks Elias, five-knuckle shuffle, AA. The crowd's chanting for The Undertaker again, but instead Cena's music plays, and he just walks up the ramp, and you think, wow, they're going to tease it more. I mean, like this whole John Cena-Taker thing has been about... Trying to drag this shit out at, to, to the point where even the most kind of <laughs> the fan who is already the most convinced that this match is going to happen is going to start doubting themselves. And <laughs> I think they knew it was going to happen. It was just how far into this show yeah. are they going to? It was playful. Pull it. Like, you knew this was going to come. All week, people have been talking about of this. Of course. Like, on the fucking show poster, they, they, they advertise, you know, well, Undertaker answered John Cena's challenge. So, of course. But even though we know it's coming, I think wrestling fans appreciate the art of te- of the tease, the art of trying to drag this out in creative ways to try to make you second-guess yourself. And they did a great job. So Cena's walking up the ramp. His music stops. 
the lights go out again, and there's a spotlight in the ring, and The Undertaker's hat and jacket from a year ago have magically appeared. A bolt hits the hat and jacket, and they disappear. The Undertaker's music hits in wrestling's version of Control-Z, I called it, just redoing what happened last year. Uh And The Undertaker walks out to a hero's welcome. As the Undertaker, not as the American badass, no, the mean, old Undertaker, complete with his attire. Hunter took the motorcycles already, so that's right. I and Kid Rock didn't even show up for the show. That bastard. Um, I will say, if they didn't do all this shit, like leading up to this match, this Taker entrance would have been huge, but it was amplified because of the delay. Uh, it, it, this entire time, if Taker had shown up on Raw, if Taker had shown up on and done all this other stuff, confirming the match. This moment wouldn't have felt as as good as it did. The place exploded when the bell rang. They were getting the match. The Undertaker just fires up attacking him. Chokeslam. Cena, um, he goes for a chokeslam, which Cena blocks, and he suplexes The Undertaker in his one and only bump in this match. Taker sits up as John Cena goes to the five-knuckle shuffle so much that Cena falls down ass over tea kettle here as he watches Taker sit up. Taker fights back. Choke slam. He calls for the tombstone. He hits the tombstone. Uh, there was also a big boot here that missed by a mile that Cena bumped early for that people were mocking. And The Undertaker hit the tombstone and won in two minutes and 48 seconds. In a lot of ways, if we're just judging this, this was hands down the worst match on the show. But there was no way people were judging this I, yeah. in the traditional sense I, because I, of the buildup and because of the, the reaction yeah. for this. You're wrong, though, because I think there are fans that will judge, judge this, this match for that reason. People saying how, you know, uh, uh, it, uh, whatever, uh, Roman got a better match out of The Undertaker than John Cena did or, or whatever, et cetera, et cetera. That's missing the point. The match isn't just what's happening bell to bell. The match is the entrance. The match is, you know, Cena coming out, doing the stuff in the crowd. That's the match. And and the payoff is just seeing The Undertaker do his signature spots. That's and wrestling. You know, it's not necessarily, the, you know, the moves. So judging by the reaction from this audience and the memories that I thought this, this whole thing created, they hit a fucking home run. I thought this was perfect. I think this was also pretty clear of, like, this is the extent of The Undertaker now. Like, I don't think... That's all I want. Well, that's what I think you can expect. It's like, if he can do it, he'll show up for a tombstone once a year. Don't retire, you know? Like, do this for as long as you can. I don't think he can now. Yeah, why not? I don't think anyone will... Like, he is now Terry Funk. I'm not looking for your, you know, uh, Shawn Michaels, Undertaker. uh, I'm not looking for that era. That era's done with. No, tonight was the exclamation point that that, uh, the match... He can't do the match. The mistake was that they tried to replicate that that Shawn Michaels era Undertaker last year with Roman in the main event so much so that I thought the main event suffered uh, and I thought it embarrassed The Undertaker on his what was set to be his retirement match this is an Undertaker that I'm much more happier remembering you know just the guy with the just the amazing entrance and then the tombstone and the all that all that other stuff this was perfect and you know credit here how many guys in Cena's position would do this yeah well Cena? Go back go back in history and tell me Chris Jericho. Uh The Rock would maybe do this. True, true, true. The Rock would perhaps do this, but Austin, Hogan, Shawn Michaels, Dusty Rhodes. Yeah, you're talking about uh, you know, the like the the 
exemplary company man in John Cena. Like that to me was the statement of this match was John Cena was just the ultimate player. And granted, it's the Undertaker, mm-hmm. but in this fashion, losing this way, um, I think there's very few guys that would have done it like this. But let's also remember that I don't know how much of the of John Cena we're going to see the next several years. You know? Well, this plays into the story. He yeah. failed in spectacular fashion right. after talking shit, like, and now he should disappear. I could see a time in the not-too-distant future where we may see more of The Undertaker than we do John Cena. If John Cena makes a full-time commitment shift to Hollywood, you know? So, if you think about that, the right person won here. Like, if The Undertaker lost, what incentive is there for The Undertaker to come back next year? Mm-hmm. You know, he would have been proven that he didn't have it anymore. So that was uh, the conclusion of the Undertaker, John Cena story, and then Taker walked up the ramp, fist in the air, and he exited. I was so fucking satisfied by this, and I I didn't think I would be because like this was a very experimental build, and all for like a match that I personally wasn't too psyched by, but like again, it wasn't about just the match; it was about the the, the lead up to it. This was like the the best. The best uh, execution of foreplay that I think we've ever seen in a WrestleMania build. Uh, from there, we had the introduction of the Hall of Fame inductees minus Kid Rock, which, mm-hmm. I mean, it's a stupid thing. But when you're in- inducting someone into this celebrity deal, like, wouldn't it be wise to just pick someone that you can actually use for the weekend for all the required appearances? If you can't make it to WrestleMania, why did it have to be Kid Rock this year? This whole celebrity wing thing, I think, has so many other hidden, you know, uh, reasons for their selections. Than but I don't know what aware. this one was. Well, the song, you know, New Orleans, whatever. Uh, the fact that, I don't know, does if he's got an album coming out, I guess. They didn't plug any album. I, I don't fucking know. But the thing is, like, is like if they had Cyndi Lauper, okay, which I think would be a relevant celebrity. I mean, what is Cyndi Lauper going to get you in terms of, you know, mainstream press? I don't know how much Kid Rock really got you. I don't think Kid Rock got you much, to be honest. Um, I don't know. So anyway, they all came out. Uh, Then we had Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon against Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. At this point in the show, like, I didn't want to jinx it, but to me... This was a very good show up until this point. This this WrestleMania could have been one of the best. And maybe it still is, but (laughs) they they were doing really well up until this point. Daniel Bryan's entrance featured... Like this shot of um, uh, what would be the so best like, way to uh, describe like, it? Exactly like Vanguard One, like like yeah. like what you see, like an infrared type identifying of. a target, and it was like the Operation Yes movement, yeah, yeah, yeah. and we went to all of these different shots, like sports teams, kids, everyone doing the Yes chant, mm-hmm. and the funny part was so many of these were from years ago when they didn't air this stuff on TV, but all this stuff has happened. Like, arenas chanting yes. It put into context just how big of an impact this guy Daniel Bryan had on on not just professional wrestling, but, you know, in, in, in the mainstream. And then Bryan came out, and uh, this crowd, like, this entrance was incredible. Sometimes I wish, like, entrances didn't consist of music, because I just wanted to hear this crowd react to seeing this man walk onto the stage. It was... You know? To, to me, I thought it was, like, the most, like, feel-good moment of the show was this guy coming out uh, for this entrance. Mm-hmm. and Because it, it, it was real. Yeah. I was like, nobody could have forecasted this three months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but here he comes out. Uh, to me, all-time memorable reaction. Um, 
And then uh, Shane was already in the ring. Owens and Zayn jumped them from behind as they came through the crowd rather than have uh, their own entrances. And then they laid out Brian with the Haluva kick and another powerbomb on the apron. So they teased that Brian was out with the officials checking on him and Shane was going to have a handicap match, which mm-hmm. is a term that is not allowed to be used in the Superdome. Oh, what did they say? A disabled It was a disabled match. Disabled match, yeah. So, I mean, not, not even uh, figurative in this sense. Shane, yeah. Shane calls for the bell. He's going to face them alone. And he attacked them with his quote-unquote punches. <laughs> this is when it was just too long of just Shane in this match. Yeah, well. And it was, I think the audience didn't know what the hell's going on with Shane. I think they wanted to feel uncomfortable, but didn't know what was going on with this guy who's doing goddamn coast-to-coast drop kicks. Okay. I, I I'm mean, just going to say, it. like this yeah. match, it missed something. Well, it peaked with the entrance for me. I feel like they had a plan. This this match was set, okay? They they wrote this match as soon as Daniel Bryan was was probably cleared that you are saving up for the Daniel Bryan hot tag and that requires Shane McMahon to take the bulk of it. All this stuff with diverticulitis comes out and they don't want to deviate from the plan. And certainly somebody like a Shane McMahon who, you know, is supposed to be Mr. Tough Guy can handle any challenge isn't going to back down from, you know, diverticulitis or hernias and all that stuff. So they go ahead and do the match. Why they took Daniel Bryan out so for such a big part of it? I mean, my belief is that no one bought he was out of this of match. Of course not. But my belief In fact, if you had done it the opposite way and mm-hmm. have Bryan fight no. from underneath, no way. No, cuz Bryan can't start the match. The, the this match is set up for Well, Bryan this attack. didn't work. This but, did not work. But I'll tell you why what I why I think it was because and this might be a stupid reason but I, I can buy it. And it's that in order for Shane to do the coast to coast, he has to climb out to the outside of the ring. And it wouldn't make sense for him to climb to the outside of the ring to, if, if, if Daniel Bryan was available. And, okay, so Shane is in danger, right? Why wouldn't he just go and tag Daniel Bryan if Daniel Bryan was there? That would prevent him from needing to do the coast to coast. But here, instead, with Brian out on the floor, he had to resort to the coast-to-coast as a last-ditch effort. And thus, he gave you the coast-to-coast. That's why I think they, they had Brian sit out on the floor for so long. Because as soon as he did the coast-to-coast, Brian went right back into the ring. I, I just found it very hard to get into this. The, this guy who's selling his, his hernia that requires surgery. I don't know. There was just... There was a disconnect in this. Yeah. There was I, a disconnect. I think we he wanted everybody to... The hernia thing just kind of came out of nowhere, and they want to stick to the script, is, is my opinion. Although they did, like... I mean, Owens did work on the, the hurt. Oh, it was a big... That yeah. was the focus. Yeah. Yeah. Finally, Brian makes his way up, and he's tagged in. He fires up, and they did get into his offense here against Zane. There was a flying knee off the apron to Owens, missile drop kick, top rope Rana to Zane. And then Owens grabbed Brian's foot from the floor, and Zayn hit a haluva kick. Brian kicked out. No one thought that Zayn was pinning him. And then Brian just nailed Zayn with slaps, kicks, uh, the Buseku knee, and then the yes lock. What was also, I think, curious uh, about this match going into it was everybody wanted to see if Daniel Bryan was going to change his style. You know, will he stick to a more mat-based offense? Will he kind of stop, you know, with the running drop kicks and whatnot? He did. 
This felt very much like the Daniel Bryan of bold. I think the only difference was that you could see him, every time he did those running drop kicks, he would hold on to the ropes to ensure that he didn't make contact with his head. The only scary part to me was like when he did the Frankensteiner, I kind of held, held my breath there, and when he took that big power bomb from Owens. But otherwise, pretty safe match. It was a safe match. Listen, the audience, they just wanted to see Brian. The entrance they loved, the ending they loved. We said, like, maybe you could close the mat, the, the show with Brian's return. I think that would not have worked out. I agree. I just thought Shane was just an odd part to this match, even though the story completely made sense for what him to be involved. What if you didn't know about all this stuff? What if you didn't know about the diverticulitis or the hernia? Uh, then I would just say that the crowd was not reacting to a long, a prolonged Shane selling. Sure. Sure, like, yeah. Shane's not a great wrestler. Yes, yes. Like, that's not some secret. He is a stuntman. And know? he was not doing big stunts. Well, it was just him uh, selling. The coast to coast, I think. Okay. The I'll coast to coast, which, it, given the story of the match, kind of stupid. It was supposed to show you his fortitude. The fact that despite this hernia, the man still managed to do a coast to coast. Say that, say that again. Despite this man's hernia. Yeah. He decided to hit the coast to coast. We're drop also kick. watching a show where Stephanie McMahon gets out of Ronda Rousey's armbar. Okay, I mean I can suspend my disbelief enough to to believe that this man would resort to a coast to coast as a last last ditch effort. I didn't have. Sorry, are we finished the with the fifteen twenty three? It ended. I didn't have as much of an issue with it, uh, but I, I do agree with you that yeah, Shane's not a strong enough performer to kind of carry you know a portion of the match like this. I. He was not Ricky Morton here. <laughs> I felt the match was kind of executed, you know, the way you'd expect it to. It wasn't a, wasn't as emotionally weighty as I thought it would be. Um, I, I think, agree. I think the entrance... I, it, I was there for the entrance. I thought the entrance was everything that you could anticipate. Yeah. I thought it was really emotional. I thought, like, most of Brian's offense I would be cringing at. You know, anymore for that, for that matter, most of Shane's offense I, I would be cringing at. I didn't really have that reaction. You know, it, like, Brian looked... Like Daniel Bryan in there. Um, like it wasn't Shawn Michaels, Triple H from SummerSlam, for instance. And I'm not exactly sure why that was. Uh, maybe it's the fact that we've already seen Bryan do so much. Like on If TV. this were a big singles match with Bryan, I think you would have had that. But I think Bryan doing those drop kicks, like and taking the powerbomb on his first day back, to me, I think that hurt it too. Do you think they you did know? too much in the yeah, angle? I do. I do. Especially because the next week he was fine. Exactly, yeah. But even if he did it, like... I, I just, I thought it was a little, in hindsight, I, I don't think I would have done that. I think that that as well, it told you immediately what this guy, this guy is going to do everything. Yeah. Instead of going in with a curiosity of mm. like, how much are they going to allow Completely. him to go all out Completely. in? Completely. Like yeah. going into that Shawn Michaels Triple H match, Shawn Michaels had taken like like two, four, three years off. And my, I was working under the impression that this would, this match is going to look like uh, an active wrestler in his prime taking on a crippled man. And instead... It was Shawn Michaels of old plus plus some. And this match had the potential to be that. Contrast the, the TV powerbomb on the apron. Imagine that had been his first bump you see. Mm-hmm. Is that WrestleMania taking oh an apron God, bomb? I would immediately yes. a halluva kick and a, like they redid the TV angle that he had just recovered from instantly. Yeah. There were no ill effects of that on TV. So I think that you're right. Mm-hmm. I think you had to do something big with Owens and Zayn, but I think like the story was there mm-hmm. that you could have done something else and left the big physical bumps for this match and you would have had a crowd that I think would be much more sympathetic with Brian on the floor after mm-hmm. you've just seen this guy take a horrendous power bomb when you've not seen him take a bump yeah. in years. 
On the other hand, I mean, if it comes to light that Shane McMahon, in fact, was, like, battling whatever we think he's been battling this past, you know, because, like, the moment he... Th- this is not fake. Like, this is not a fake health well, issue. Some people have said that there, are, that there are varying levels of diverticulitis, but I don't know how many varying levels of, like, you know, umbilical hurtings there are. And whatever. I, I, either way, Shane, the moment he tagged out, he never tagged back in. So mm-hmm. something tells me that, yeah, this guy was probably hurt. If he, if he in fact, was that hurt, I would say a really gutsy performance, you know? Doing, doing that coast-to-coast thing. Um, just even doing the match. That might be a story that they'll tell on, like, a future 24 or something. Um, but I think for this match, the focus was, was Brian. I would say perhaps not as emotional as I expected the moment to be. But still, you know, a very satisfying Daniel Bryan match. Yeah. I just think that, listen, Brian was, to me, to, to some, he was the number one mm-hmm. um reason they had interest in WrestleMania. Yep. And I just think if you're looking at the two with Ronda and Daniel Bryan, the star of the show was Ronda Rousey and not Daniel Bryan. I agree. Alexa Bliss versus there, Nia Jax. There's a nice moment also when uh, oh, yeah. Brian uh, walks over to Brie uh, ringside and gives her a hug. And I thought that was... Shane's kids were also at ringside. Yeah. I mean, I thought the Brie hug was really nice because of Brian's promo talking about how it was, yes. it was Brie motivating him to, to fight for your dreams. And I thought that was a nice way to tie things. Alexa Bliss versus Nia Jax followed that for the Raw Women's title. Bliss came out on this large riser and was accompanied by Mickie James, who was killed instantly by Nia Jax with a Samoan drop on the floor, and we never heard from her again. Jax tossed her around, avalanche, military press, and then Bliss poked her in the eye and took over with leg kicks, hit a twisted Bliss to the floor. Audience was really subdued here um, as they were going through the match. Look at what these two had to follow, okay? The, the John Cena Undertaker thing, the Ronda Rousey thing, and the Daniel Bryan thing. This, like, if there was a death spot, this certainly was. Uh, Bliss grabbed her by the hair. She said, I'm sorry, but then just laughed and hit her with the DDT. Uh, Jax got up, grabbed her by the throat, fought back. Um, Jax ended up hitting an Alabama slam first into the turnbuckle, then onto the canvas before a Samoan drop finished Nia. Uh, sorry, Nia hit the Samoan drop off the second turnbuckle, finishing Bliss. In nine minutes, Nia Jax won the Raw Women's title. It was a very low-energy crowd, but as soon as that three-count was hit, they exploded for this title change and were into the post-match. So it was just the body of the match that they were kind of tuned out of. This was a storyline that really like only came together over the past month. But, I mean, considering that, it's a, it's a very easy-to-get-into storyline of, you know, just uh, the skinny, pretty girl making fun of the bigger uh, woman... Uh, bully, bullying her. So I think, you know, seeing the reaction this angle had on TV, like, it was clear that the audience was buying into it, but this late into this show with the lack of star power these two had in comparison to a lot of the other performers in such, such a, so late into the card, this was a tough challenge for this, for these two. They could have bombed, this could have been the beach ball match, but it wasn't. Like, this crowd... I didn't think anyone was going to turn on it like that. I think you just got polite silence. I think it was a crowd that was wanting wanting to support them. And no, this is not a match that I think you'll really remember when we talk about this WrestleMania in the future. But I feel like, again, put into context, look at who who's in this match. It's Alexa Bliss and it's Nia Jax. Three years ago, what were these two doing in uh, NXT? Alexa Bliss was a manager yeah. in NXT. And Barely here, wrestling. And here they are, championship match, like fourth from the top like you can argue third from the top if you don't really count the Braun Strowman thing I thought they they did a very commendable job they heard a backlash promo uh 
both Raw and SmackDown will be part of that show, May the 6th. Um, and I think there was a line in here for one night only, which this is going to be all the pay-per-views, and we're also on a show that is featuring hmm. all the brands. But anyway, that's the next pay-per-view. Also, the uh, attendance they announced earlier. Oh, yeah, some some crazy figure. 78,000. Yeah, so they... they Somehow they fit... 3,000 more than the announced attendance uh, in 2014. Don't they have to be more truthful about these things these days with shareholders? No, because none of the shareholders ever care about any of this. The real number comes out months later uh, when they put their uh, their key performance indicators out. Uh, To put it into context, in 2014, they announced 75,000 people. The real number came out to be around 65. So that's probably in the neighborhood of the capacity. They also, they don't typically uh, lie about the gate figure, and they listed out at $14.1 million. The idea that they could have somehow fit half of what we saw at that ROH show last night into this stadium uh, is quite amusing to me. Yeah, well, it's the attendances. Do not take them seriously. They just put these out, and some people run with them. then we had AJ Styles, Shinsuke Nakamura for the WWE title. Uh, I know we we both figured Lesnar Reigns would be last as the show was progressing. Um, was that your thought throughout the show, that that was ending the show? Was this at all a surprise? Not a surprise, no, because I think most people expected this. But at the same time, I, I still thought there was very high hope that this match could have ended. I, not, And I, I would say that because of the feeling around town. Every person I asked, even children, children that were brought up onto, sta- onto the stage at that block party, kids that aren't going to, you know, PWG shows, their match that they were looking forward to was Shinsuke Nakamura versus AJ Styles. So this, was, this match was the talk of the city. So I thought, sensing all that, that they would put this match on last. They didn't. And yeah, I don't think, yeah, whatever. It was fine. They had an awesome video package for this match. Mm-hmm. We had... Uh, to the best of my knowledge, the first time we have seen still shots of TNA. I'm I'm trying to think. Yeah, maybe I don't know. Unless we saw it at the uh, Jeff Jarrett thing or or something, something previous, maybe on a DVD. Uh, there was uh, New Japan stills in this. AJ Styles when he was in WCW. Um, his tryout stuff. Yeah, magazine covers from Japan. Yeah. I mean, it was just it was just showing these are two guys that have worked all over the world and here they are for this huge match at WrestleMania. Yeah. Just, I, I thought it was great. And like here I am watching this and asking, where was this storytelling in the in the months of build leading up to this match? It was a great video package that would like, have been even better on television. What the fuck, you know? Like they're trying, they're trying to build this whole thing as like the dream match that that's been from, you know, the. Uh, well, you, the you had to dream about. about why it was so important, and then we'll tell you on the day of the show. But like they provided no context about how where these two came from and 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 why. And we're and not the documentary. We're not even talking about the Shinsuke Nakamura. I, I got so many texts about that. Uh, everybody talking talking to us about yes, they're finally giving Shinsuke Nakamura <laughs> subtitles. Wow, amazing! On now, YouTube, on the W. WWE Network on the Friday before WrestleMania, so they dumped this thing. We watched that thing uh, right uh, with Bloodsport on on Thursday, and I I thought that thing was great. It, it was wonderful. I I still think the New Japan one on on uh, on on World, they're on the road. I thought was better because you actually you know you got a little bit more Shinsuke. But anyway, fucking great. It looked good. Um, but dude, they drop it on a Thursday. I know. Like you're telling me you couldn't even promote this on Tuesday SmackDown and air it right after on the network. Maybe it just 
came came. You on. couldn't even mention this on TV. Like it just fell onto their lap. All this work they put into this I know, thing. I know. Imagine doing all that for a, a YouTube release. I think part of the problem is that whatever division is in charge of producing pieces like that is a different division. Clearly powerless from their TV division, who you know has their own staff and their own bosses. It's very and different with one side the digital arm. One side doesn't talk to the other, and that's unfortunate because the digital side has the potential to do some really cool shit that doesn't involve. The digital side also put up an article that Ron would be on every RAW f- uh, from now until WrestleMania. Di- and different digital side. Well, you know, I digital guess. video side. Whatever, whatever production company did this, please hire him to do more and show it on TV. All right. All that said, I got out of my seat for this. Yes, this you ditched me. This was a match I was looking forward to probably yeah, for months now, as with many people. Um, and I, I. I didn't sneak out, okay? I, I took a seat in the bleachers very close to the press row. I, For me, I feel like if I want... You're want, like John Cena. If I wanted to give an accurate representation report live, I needed to oh, be... I'm glad the, you went out. I needed to be in the crowd to experience this, and so I did. Not me. Uh, <laughs> Nakamura came out. This is one of the best entrances I've ever seen. Oh, my God, was it? Yeah. He came out. First of all, there was a performer, Nita Strauss, who okay. was playing the electric guitar... I thought it was Dave Mustaine. I really did. <laughs> this was a female. And a band of violinists, drummers. He came out. Nakamura was just... He was Nakamura doing this entrance. Dude, the, he was so oh, no. charismatic. I mean, as soon as he debuted with a song in NXT, I think everybody was looking forward to this moment. You know, seeing all of the great entrances that they've done at, at previous takeovers thinking, wow, this is like the best entrance ever. How great is this going to be at WrestleMania? This lived up to expectations. Like, this felt awesome. His entrance into the company against Sami Zayn, that's like an all-time great WWE entrance. Mm -hmm. Uh, This one was equal to me. I love, like, when I go home, I will not go back and rewatch any match immediately. I will rewatch this entrance. I love this. I'm going to hold you to that. I I need you to... Patreon lends that for, uh, d- for dude. I might just see. isolate this this entrance and just watch it every morning just wow. to get me w- w- woken up. Okay, I yeah, love this entrance. This way. Was, this was great. Yeah, it really was. I thought he was winning the title after this entrance. I, I AJ AJ just walked out after I this. Know, he felt I like know. the most nothing champion yeah. following this <laughs> mega star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, but hey, come on, the Nakamura song is a big one. And, uh, yeah, one of the very satisfying, memorable entrances of this entire show. Match began. Uh, Nakamura was controlling the pace. Then Styles hit him with a gut buster, taking the air out from him, and went for the phenomenal forearm, which Nakamura stopped and hit the landslide, getting a near fall off of that. Styles then attacked the knee of Nakamura. The leg gave out, and Styles was able to apply the calf crusher. Nakamura got out and applied a triangle. At the start of this match, this was a crowd that was fully split 50-50 for AJ, for Shinsuke's, you know, dueling chance. It was a crowd that I think respected both of these men and felt like we were about to watch something classic. Nakamura escapes the triangle, and then Nakamura's knee is hurt. Styles lands the phenomenal forearm. Nakamura kicks out. Styles follows with a springboard 450. Nakamura gets his knees up to save himself, but in doing so, it injures the knee further. Nakamura then is able to hit one last running knee. It's to the injured left knee, and Styles kicks out. So Nakamura's screwed. And then Nakamura's favoring the knee, and this was from the impact to the back of Styles' neck. Nakamura sets up for a Kinshasa, and 
Styles counters to Kinshasa mid-move and rolls into the Styles class position yeah. and hits it. Hits it. And at this point, I'm like, cool. First false finish. This match is about to turn up. One, two, three. It ends. Just like that. Like, I It, it would know. be like you and I just signing off and ending the review right now. Yeah. I mean... It didn't get to the next gear. That's it, all you can say. It yeah. didn't get. It didn't get to the next gear, and like you can say that obviously this feud's continuing. But at WrestleMania, I don't know if that's the time to kick something off and have the pre-match before the big match. Imagine Omega versus Okada one. Okay, that match not getting into second or third or fourth or fifth gear and just ending after the first Rainmaker, and then trying to build a trilogy out of that. What kind of logic is that? You go all out on your first one to get me interested into your second one. They did not do that here. And I was, like, it was weird. Because, like, coming out of this, I was like... How did the audience react in the section you were in? Quiet. Indifferent. and Like, it was so out of... Like, we both thought Styles was winning this. We all, when we went over it, that part didn't surprise me. Me neither. But at this point in the match, I thought, yeah, Styles clash kickout. You kick out of that, we're in second gear. We might be in 10th gear. The winner or loser didn't matter out of this. What mattered was the fact that these two had a classic match, with which I think everybody expected these two to have. This is how they built the match. They built this match as a dream match. That's the whole reason why... Nakamura won the, the, the Royal Rumble. Why AJ wanted to retain at Fastlane to, was to get to this point so that we could have a classic match. And it just ended. And it was so, like, the immediate moments right afterwards were so, are, are really tough for me to put into words because it was almost like, hmm, how do I feel about that? Was it just me? You know, did I just not get into the match? How did other people feel about it? And then at some point I was just like, fuck it like that was disappointing and it was it's tough to say because i think we we respect everybody respects these two so much but but you have to grade it on the expectation level we expect we're not we're not grading this on the the united states title uh grade yeah this was the match that i felt going into this this has the chance to be one of the great wrestlemania matches Mm -hmm. if not ever of the past decade Yeah. yeah it wasn't the best match on the show uh, I can't. No. I cannot possibly describe this match without saying disappointing. This felt like a SmackDown main event. Love a really match. good SmackDown main. Sure. I, I'd say above that. I, I think that's a little too harsh. Okay, fine. A really good SmackDown <laughs> main event. Okay, this was supposed to be the best match of all time. Was how they built this up, and it wasn't. Styles and Nakamura are showing mutual respect afterwards. They hug. Nakamura presents the title to Styles. He gets down on one knee. And keep in mind, we have seen Cedric Alexander and Mustafa Ali. We have seen Charlotte and Asuka. And we saw, was our third one on this show that we saw of the... Like Rollins? Embracing yeah. afterwards. Oh, uh, hugging. Um, I don't know. Maybe well, not, you had those two. Kurt. I don't know. Nah, I mean, oh, of the, okay, like, like the Daniel opponents. Bryan, Daniel Bryan hugging Bree. No, I meant like the two opponents, like oh, afterwards. Okay. Anyway, we had two at least. Sure. So then the mutual this, respect. Thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So for this one, we're going with Nakamura. He's down on one knee, bowing to the man that has just beat him, and then I said, "This is a complete joke to you about the low blow." Not, ex- I was not expecting. Well, it. come on, like a guy. It was so down. set up, but yeah. I did not think they would shoot this at WrestleMania, and I didn't think they were going to be turning Nakamura, but they did, and he low blowed AJ, and just 
killed him. Uh, hit a Kinshasa while running down the ramp and left Styles for dead. So Shinsuke Nakamura, full-on turn, and the feud's obviously going to continue. I imagine yes. these two are staying on SmackDown. Yeah, looks looks to be. And you know what? And they need heels. Nakamura probably wasn't no. the first option, but he's going to have a real tough time with that entrance of transitioning. Very true. I mean, they're going to be tempted to get rid of that entrance, which I think would be a shame to the overall package. I think they should retain it and somehow rely. But now you're open to, to, to have Nakamura have a manager, for instance. But I actually would be very curious to see Nakamura just play a straight-up heel. Maybe he would even... Last two weeks have shown me there's uh, a lot of range to be had. Mm-hmm. Uh, they really let him go the last two weeks, and I th- I'm I'm open to this idea. I think he'll be a great dick. Maybe maybe now he'll even speak Japanese. Like, like as heels would do. Like, uh, he has a tremendous cocky demeanor. Yeah. I think... I'm excited about the Nakamura heel, heel turn because it'll showcase a side of his personality that I think has been waiting to come out. So I'm for that. I'm for the. I'm for this this feud continuing. I was just sorely disappointed in the match because I think you could have had a great match and still built interest in. in, in I agree. In, in the turn. I think it's, um, it's even more impactful if they had a classic. Now, again, like I hate to harp on it, but I need to get out my disappointment in this match. This match, we were fighting for to be the main event of this show. This match was to be the representative of every fan of professional wrestling who appreciates good wrestling. And this match was supposed to be the match that stole the show, that proved to Vince McMahon that, hey, two guys like this with great wrestling ability could main event your WrestleMania. Instead, it ended, and I felt it justified every decision to not put a match like this on last anymore because crowd didn't get into it. The match itself wasn't amazing. There's nothing to say that even if this ma- you know, match was amazing that the crowd would have been am- great. But it didn't even give us a chance. So, disappointed. Uh, maybe I'll wake up tomorrow and feel, you know... Like, I sound I sound like such a dork. Oh my god, look at this guy get so uh, uh, riled up about a wrestling match. But hey, I'm trying to speak for the world here. And, and I, I know a lot of other wrestling fans felt the same disappointment. Well, I, I think that that's probably a similar reaction a lot had. That said, this is the main program on SmackDown. It's not Raw, but it's the main program on SmackDown, which I think is the level you're going to see these two at. Um, They'll have a chance to redeem themselves, but, I mean, the moment was WrestleMania. Sure, you know? uh, sure. And I think that, you know, I think the criticisms are very, very valid for the match. Uh, so then we had the bar coming out. Can you describe this entrance? They were on a float, essentially. Like they a were Marty, on a float, Marty with, Gras float with all these characters with like giant heads. Yeah. It was so wacky, but somehow it worked. This is a New Orleans Mardi Gras thing. It's yeah. goofy but fun, yeah. and it led to Braun then coming out and destroying all these uh, all these characters and tossing the float off the ramp and destroying it. Made for a funny visual to see like these giant heads running away from Braun Strowman, and him tossing the thing off the ramp was really cool too. Braun gets on the microphone. He's going to introduce his tag partner. He said he waited until now to announce it. And it isn't going to be someone in the back in the locker room. It's going to be one of you. And he just goes through the crowd. He goes long and far. And he picks you. And it's a child. As the world of wrestling was introduced to Nicholas. First of all, like... I pray this kid isn't on Twitter. 
Um, I'm sure he will be soon. I'm sure he'll have an official WWE account. This is the most polarizing figure, the well, second most polarizing figure on the show. I wouldn't say polarizing at all, John. Like, Dude, there was a lot of anger about this. Uh, from, and again, okay, but first of all, before we even, we even get to the match, this was an uh, in attendance tonight at WrestleMania. <laughs> Hiroshi Tanahashi, Kazuchika Okada, Minoru Suzuki. Daisuke Sakamoto. Mununori Sawa. A number of luminaries from professional wrestling that were, you know, either here to, to see friends or to just, like, capture the moment. And so uh, everybody on Twitter was joking, pick Minoru Suzuki, please, pick Minoru Suzuki. <laughs> anyway, Nicholas, yes. Nicholas is chosen, and he's brought to the ring, and the match begins. Braun Strowman and Nicholas challenging for the Raw tag titles. The bar knocked down Braun. Sheamus landed a flying knee off the top. Strowman then back body dropped Sheamus onto the post, and then he crawled for the corner, and the crowd's going nuts. And when Nicholas was tagged, this place exploded. Crowd was already chanting, we want Nicholas. And the gag is, you know, seeing this little kid who can't even reach, like his eyes, his head doesn't even reach the top rope. The gag was just seeing that. I, I thought that this would just be a visual gag. In terms of playing a deer in the headlights, this kid played the role... He was to a T. He was shaking every time he was on camera to the point where, like, I think now we can we we know that this is a hired actor, okay? Or at least we can. Would you agree? Sure, of course. I have to. Yes, I don't think there's any doubt to it. But he made me question. I thought this was Carl at first from uh, Walking Dead. I thought it was Brian Alvarez. I'm joking. He made that. He made that joke himself. He made that <laughs> joke himself. So anyway. Uh, he immediately tagged Braun back in, and Strowman power slams Cesaro. Braun, Strowman, and Nicholas are the Raw Tag Team Champions. Three minutes and 57 seconds. And uh, this got enormous reaction from people who yeah. think it's... Uh, from ones who thought it was hilarious to ones that thought that it's completely ridiculous and Judy Bagwell-level stupidity mm. um, and whatever they're going to do on Raw. But this hmm. Nicholas thing was the talk of 10 minutes of WrestleMania chatter. My big takeaway was that, I mean, I... I tweeted out my disappointment in a lot uh, to, with the to, with the uh, what is it Styles Nakamura match. A lot of people came back saying that the crowd was tired, and certainly that could have played a factor. But the crowd reacted really. When loud. he was tagged in, that was a big pop. That was huge. So I don't buy crowd being tired as an excuse for that previous match. This was like we talk about buffer segments, and this was a buffer segment. The buffer segment doesn't necessarily have to kill a crowd. This was a buffer segment that, like, got the crowd invested, but in, in a different way. It was comedy. It was surprise. And I think that was the biggest missing element from the previous match, the AJ Nakamura match that we got here. And that was surprise. You know, WrestleMania, I think, is so much of it is about surprises. And this was some, something nobody predicted. We didn't, pre you know, pre we were predicting, what, Samoa Joe or James Ellsworth. It was a little kid, and it made for... I think a very memorable moment and it, one of the bigger reactions of the entire show. And a little kid who's now eligible for the Wrestling Observer Rookie of the Year. Oh, wow. But, like, you know, yeah. But it, it's all a visual gag, right? Like, I think whoever... He didn't do a thing in this. I think whoever it, it, it could have been, it should have been, it should have been somebody much smaller than Braun Strowman. That's the joke, right? You know, you see these two together and it's like, wow, haha, look how big Strowman is and look how tiny this person is. Look at him in the ring against Cesaro and Sheamus. And then, like, when they flash the key on the screen, new WWE Tag Team Champions, Braun Strowman and Nicholas. I mean, that had everybody laughing, you know? Of all the things on this show, 
if I could be a fly in the wall, I, I don't really care about the whole decision process to end Oscar's streak uh, of the main event finish. I would love to have been in the room of how this idea got proposed, mm-hmm. agreed upon, and executed. This is the one I want to see. How yeah. did this, who came up with this, and how did it come into being? How did Vince McMahon react to this angle? I have to believe with tremendous laughter because Vince is the type that is sick enough to like find shit like this funny. It's never been done before, Vince. Yeah. Like he's the type that'll be like, he wouldn't even question it, I bet. He'd be like, that's brilliant. That is brilliant. And you know what? It was. Like this was daring. They did it. It could have fucking died, but it didn't. His name's Tim. I don't like Tim. He's going to be Nicholas. This worked, man, and I, I I can't see how people would be upset about it. Yes, if you care about the prestigious lineage of the Raw Tag Team Championships, okay, this might upset you. But who gives a fuck, you know? I feel bad for Cesaro and Sheamus, maybe, but they got booked on this show. These two were supposed to be in the Battle Royal, and they were involved in a very memorable segment. Now, their follow-up, I think, you know, you have to treat them a bit more carefully if you're going to take those two seriously now. But for a WrestleMania segment right before the main event this late into the show, what, like six hours in? You couldn't have asked for a better reaction to something like this. And that brings us to the main event of WrestleMania. For the fourth consecutive year, it is Roman Reigns closing the show as he takes on Brock Lesnar, a rematch from WrestleMania 31 for the Universal title. Uh, I've got to say, we saw some really incredible entrances throughout the show, few characters that they isolated for very big productions. Very bare bones for these two coming out. Mm-hmm. It was Roman Reigns getting into the ring, punched down on the mat for some pyro, yeah. and then Brock doing his traditional entrance. It was just pretty much here, champion challenger. Nothing fancy, and uh, maybe a little surprising considering that this was the main event, right? Somewhat. I mean, it didn't have, like, compare this to the pomp and circumstance of AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura. Mm-hmm. It was night and day. Yeah. This was just very much presented as. Or even the opener, which I felt like had probably the, maybe the most work put into its entrances. Lesnar immediately hit three German suplexes. Reigns is up and hits two Superman punches and then a third uh, coming off the steps on the floor. But then Lesnar takes over. He hits a belly to belly and I was just in shock watching Reigns come down here on his head. This looked horrendous. The latest near death I watched. But Reigns is right this, back up. This weekend? Uh, d- dude, I'd seen like six this weekend. Oh, God. PC- where I've seen a man, I thought I've seen someone paralyzed in front of my eyes. PCO. Oh, God. Was, like, if you had to rank it, I thought that was, yeah, for me, that was number one. PCO. Punishment was fr- was frightening. PCO yeah. was just uh, was squinting. Uh, um, the number of Hangman Will, Page. Will Ospreay. <laughs> like, we, we, can, we can go on. Oh. It was Roman Reigns. This was. Oh, this like you sick. heard me. Like I screamed as well, I saw this. I mean, compared to those, this was. I didn't feel queasy for like ten minutes. He after. came down awkwardly here. Yeah. I think it was more the face than the neck, but nonetheless, it was not easy. And then he was tossed onto the desk, and the announcers are comparing this to the Cena massacre at the 2014 SummerSlam. Reigns finally shoves Lesnar into the post and tackles him onto the announcer's desk. Reigns hits another Superman punch in the ring. Two spears. Lesnar kicks out. He calls for one more, but Lesnar leaps in the air, knees Roman right in the face. And then Lesnar hits his first F5. And for the first time, God, in over a year, someone kicks out of the F5. Reigns kicks out of it. And 
for all the equity they put into this move to the fact that through all the guys that he has beaten with over the last year with this, the reaction to this F5 kickout was nothing. I don't think it it would have worked from the beginning. Like, nobody is going to buy that one F5 is going to be enough to beat the other guy in the main event of WrestleMania. If it ended right there, then I think he would have had very much the same reaction as Shinsuke Nakamura versus AJ Styles, which I hate to say it is kind of my new Jinder Mahal, Bobby Roode, or Randy Orton. I'm not saying it's that bad, but to me, it was the one sore spot of this. Of the, I mean, actually, one of two, but the bigger sore spot of this match. Anyway, let's let's uh, continue with this match, please. F5 number two, Reigns kicks out. F5 number three, Reigns kicks out. This is when the audience started to boo. And then the beach balls came out. And then this match, this match was not, it was physical, but the audience was not into this. And then they got negative. Yeah, I mean, I thought Brock and Roman, they were working really hard, probably doing about about as, like, they decided to start fast and and hard from the get-go to try to, you know, get this crowd on their side right away. I thought they were working. But this was a crowd that was going to shit on this match, even if they were about to have a five-star classic, you know? They were like... Bring back Nicholas chants. There were this is awful chants. And I feel like they weren't booing the action, but booing the booking of this match. They were booking the idea yes. of what this is, of Roman. The casting of these two as your headline stars. And this kind of prolonged putting off of the finish that everyone assumed was Reigns winning. And Roman Reigns in his, what, fifth or fourth WrestleMania main event? Yes. Yeah, it and was all that. Then Reigns continued. They went to the floor. Lesnar hit an F5 onto the announcer's desk. Then a fifth F5 that Roman kicks out of. And it was just like, it was getting silly. Like, it's this this lethal move that has beaten everyone once, and now we're up to five, and Reigns is kicked out. It's especially sad when the crowd's not even paying attention to, like, you you know, all your false finishes. False, false finishes that get zero reaction because this crowd was involved with beach balls. It was quite the sight because... There were beach balls being confiscated, more beach balls coming down from the second and upper decks down to the bottom floor. This crowd was just, like, yelling in different spots throughout, and it was fun, like, being there above it all, seeing all these different beach balls in the crowd. Lesnar then took off his gloves and just pounded Roman Reigns, busting him up hard way, which I don't understand how this company does this stuff. This, I, didn't, this, I, didn't, I didn't see it. I was caught up with the beach balls. This was not as graphic as Randy Orton, but this was him just like punching the guy until he bled. He's good. He he could. He's good at it, I guess. Great, I mean, great. Geez. Slice open a guy's head. Reigns fired up, speared him for a near fall. He had a lot of fire here with this comeback, and with he was dripping like his face was covered in blood. It was good looking blood too. But then Reigns just runs off the ropes, gets caught with F five number six. And Lesnar pins Reigns, and everyone was stunned. 15-51, Brock wins. Everyone was stunned. Crowd popped for the for the finish just because I think it was anybody but Roman winning. Um, but most of the match, everybody was pretty... I mean, the crowd was there, but they were there for beach balls. They weren't there for this match. Yeah. Um, a disappointing main event. I would say another sore spot. I mean... This second half of the show struggled. Like it, 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 this was it either didn't meet expectation or it was just like I'm sorry. This is the biggest match of the year, mm-hmm. 
the biggest match of the year is what closes WrestleMania, and they knew the risk of putting this on last, and the argument was it was because it's Roman's big crowning moment that you want to go off with, and they wanted to surprise everyone, so you went with another finish. See, I and put it on last. Yeah, that doesn't. Really it was like you, you shot your. It was like you, you you screwed yourself. But either way, I know. I know. I, that didn't make that much sense. But I mean, I I didn't go into this this show expecting this to be you know the show stealing match. I thought by this point, oh, it's just another Roman thing that we're gonna have to you know uh, endure, for lack of a better word. Um, but I mean, I had some level of expectation for it, and I thought they actually had a really you know, pretty good match, but it was very physical. Um, okay, I, I, but I can't really say because. But it I, didn't I, work. My attention was not focused on the match. Like being there live, I I was caught up with the hysteria around the ring, and people in the audience were actively protesting the booking of this match by Beach Balls. They know how to get to the WWE now. They know how to get to Vince, and it's through these fucking Beach Balls. And they were out in droves. Clearly, many people had the idea and held off on those beach balls all evening waiting for this one match to shit on. And listen, there are people, especially wrestlers out there, that'll be, like, really upset at disrespectful fans. But I I feel you can't just blame the fans. This is, like, five, four years now of a company trying to shove... Uh, lead actor down their throats that nobody is wanting to buy. And if you're asking people to pay money to go to this show, I feel like the audience, this is their way of speaking out that we don't want this. Roman Reigns needed to get on the mic and do a Joey Janela promo here on these these fans, maybe. If you're walking out, go F yourself. We we joke that would do wonders for this man. Obviously not a profane promo. Um, Anyway, broken record. Um, but yeah, I, I'm sorry, but like this was a match that for the main event of WrestleMania, no. uh, there's no sugarcoating it. The two main events, I mean, this was, I felt, on track to be one of the great WrestleManias. If you told me after the Bryan match that, hey, we still have AJ Styles versus Shinsuke Nakamura coming up, I would say, okay, this is going to be perhaps one of the best ever. Top three, okay? Top three WrestleManias. The last... Two big matches were very disappointing. Yeah, and I can't even say in hindsight, like, I, if you had told me what should go on last, my answer would have been AJ and Nakamura. But mm-hmm. given the finish, very, you can't end the show like that. You certainly couldn't have, oh, you mean like with the low blow? W- with the, the even, angle. Even if they had a great match? I think if it had, they had a great match, I think you could have. You mm-hmm. don't have to have the babyface win in order to. <laughs> no, but it just, it feels weird to end it on an angle. I get, you can. You, you don't. There's no. There's no rule. I think the. I think the more important idea is that you have a new star to focus on at the end of the show. Well, I guess fifty. Uh, sorry, hindsight being twenty twenty, you you could have ended the show with Ronda, but I wouldn't have been. That wouldn't have been my choice uh, before this show. Gr- given how that was, Ronda being your superstar, you could have ended the show with that potentially. But, but that's a riskier spot putting them on that yeah. last. The argument is, you know, like uh, crowd energy and also the, the crowd's reaction to uh, that particular match after having seen what came before. And there's no way for us to predict that Ronda Rousey would have received the reaction she would have if she followed. You put it in a safer spot and they yeah. they greatly over-delivered, mm-hmm. especially Ronda. But so. I mean, this was Brock in Roman 
Vince feeling confident enough that he, you know, these two are going to deliver and that they're going to end the show the way he wants to end it. But this crowd had other ideas on their mind. They, they were actively protesting it. And I think you'll see more of it tomorrow, man. So obviously the news here is that this was not Brock Lesnar's last date with the company. Um, this could, I don't think that this is a sign that this guy necessarily is staying. I think it's just simply that um, he always could be. He could get that deal to extend, but it also could be he could drop it at the Saudi Arabia card. He could drop it at Backlash. He could drop it tomorrow night. I mean, it's mm-hmm. not out of the realm of possibility that yeah. they've just worked out a deal that they wanted to surprise people. And, and got he, Dana White involved? And he, uh, that one, I, I don't know. I really can't say. Because Dana's been very vocal about Brock coming back to the UFC. Mm-hmm. And... I, and showed up on this show. Yeah. So, anyway, that was the show. And I guess what? Where do you see Brock? Um, who do you see him dropping this to, and when? Do you think it happens Jesus, before May sixth? I mean, like, I I have to say, like, knowing how you know, um, uh, I guess aggressive they are with pushing Roman, I'm I'm still gonna say it's probably Roman that they're setting up for. I mean. Until they prove to me otherwise, it's hard for me to think that they have anybody else in mind. I it guess- would not. It would not stun me if they have worked out a deal for that fifty thousand seat stadium show on April twenty seventh. Uh, let's be honest; that's going to be an audience that I don't think is going to hate Roman Reigns. If not Braun, or sorry, if not Roman, then Braun. You know who I think would be a, a very worthy successor and one that the audience would actually buy. But what about Nicholas? Well, he's he's going to have to wait his okay. chance. He'll tell challenge Braun. So that was WrestleMania. Um, Overall thoughts on this show? I thought I, they were similar to you. I thought up until Daniel Bryan's entrance, I thought this was a really great WrestleMania. And I, I can't say thumbs up because there was still another two hours to the show that either... I, I, thought, I thought the two title matches did not meet my expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and, I, and to be honest, I thought the Daniel Bryan match... That, too, I didn't think it clicked to the degree I thought it would. I thought it was a feel-good moment, which is maybe all we could have expected for Daniel Bryan for the first match back. It wasn't about the quality. It was more about the moment. Um, I think a lot of it comes down to the element of surprise. And unfortunately, as we discussed, the element of surprise in the Bryan match was already given away on SmackDown. You know, in that the man's able to wrestle now. Wow, look at all he can do. And also with the Nakamura-AJ match, there was no surprise. I mean, the surprise came afterwards with the low blow. But the match itself was just like, again, I think the big disappointment of this weekend, unfortunately. Um, okay, so, my, my, I mean, how I grade it, I think you and I feel the same way about a lot of this stuff. But, like, I can't... I think I, you were higher on the Cena-Taker thing than oh, I was. I really did like it. And my thumbs were way up. Yes. Okay? Before uh, before Brian's entrance, they definitely lowered, but by the end of the night, it's still a thumbs up show to me uh, because of the of the lengths that I think or the heights it took me to earlier on. I'm I'm still going thumbs in the middle because it was some big matches to me that were yeah that didn't deliver what I thought. Fair, Uh, but that said, um, about this WrestleMania, the length didn't bother me. Not at I all. I was invested in this whole show. I was four and a half hours in and realizing that I had spent four and a half hours. And we've just spent two talking about it, so. Yeah, and we spent, on top of that, three of the days of the most wrestling I've ever watched, of some of the best wrestling I've ever watched, and maybe some of the worst in some cases. But I, 
if there was ever a threshold for me in wrestling, it would be this this show. Right. In seven hours, look how fucking energized I am. I never talk this much. So uh, that has to account for something. I think it's also the fact that like you and I, John, we follow this stuff so closely week to week that we're invested in all these stories. We're invested in all these, you know, uh, matches. It's it's a different story, maybe if you're asking a casual fan. Who's oh, if you're just dropping in for Rumble and Mania each year, yeah. you're typically gonna like WrestleMania. Just it's an impressive, a visually impressive spectacle mm-hmm. that it's very hard to um, be critical of. Um, at two hours clocking in, I think I'm gonna make the decision. I th- I think we should wrap things up. Sure. Um, yeah, we want to get the show up there. I, I want to make sure we get this show up. So uh, I know people left feedback, and we will leave that obviously up on the forum. Yeah, for we'll people go on the forum, read it, leave your own feedback, share your feedback, and respond to your feedback. And maybe me and Way killing some time in the airport, we can uh, we can navigate through and respond to some feedback. Yeah. Um, so let's wrap up WrestleMania week because it's, it's not just the end of the the show for us, but the end of I mean four days of of you know a lot of wrestling. And for people who are just listening to this, we have a ton of reviews of the, all the various shows that John and I went to over the past weekend, seeing some incredible talent. I don't know if like if you want to talk about like maybe some of your favorites of the week right now, or if you want to wait for tomorrow. Um, but- I wrote about a few in my update. The matches um, that come to mind for me. Um, Beyond what we talked about just just now at WrestleMania, and I haven't seen the whole Takeover show yet, so mm-hmm, um, yeah. I've yeah, only seen either. the ladder match and the women's match, so I can't really. So let's com- wait till Monday. Okay, let's yeah. let's do that on Monday. We'll yeah. go through our best matches of the entire weekend. Definitely, like Monday's Raw is a part of WrestleMania week. We just won't won't be there. Yes. Um, so anyway, Dad. Uh, I want to encourage everyone to go to postwrestlingcafe.com. I want to thank all the people that we got to meet this past week. And those that signed up, we had a really big week uh, on the mm-hmm. website, on the Post Wrestling Cafe. We have reviews of so many of the different shows, Rev Pro, WWN, Progress, yeah. the Ring of Honor Supercard of Honor show. Coming up this week, uh, uh, and again, uh, if you guys are listening to this... Um Lens is something that uh, we were trying out this weekend, and I felt like it was relatively successful. Granted, we're not going to go out to uh, wrestling shows every single week, but we will try to keep it up with like some behind-the-scenes footage of you know us doing our shows and sure. whatnot. Uh, so, so do sign up for that and see where we are recording this show right now. It's ridiculous. I can't believe we spent two hours in, in the backseat of a car talking. Anyway, it was a lovely time. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. So, uh, folks, you can go to postwrestling.com to get uh, the free shows that are up, including the TakeOver post show and uh, postwrestlingcafe.com for all of our Road Diary shows. Uh, Later on this week, uh, Monday show, we'll go over the week ahead, but we do have Rewind Away returning on Friday with a review of Wrestle Kingdom Mm -hmm. number nine. Uh, So all that to be had. Rewind to Raw, Rewind to SmackDown, two big shows. Back to all our regular shows yep. uh, this week. Um, maybe the Andre Doc. We'll We're going to try and fit the Andre Doc in this week. I would love to try and get to the Hall of Fame at some point this week, though that's a, a mammoth show yeah. to watch as well. Uh, but finally, I just want to thank you, A. I had a really oh, great man. time on this trip with you. Likewise, John, thank you. And I know that, as, as I mentioned earlier in one of our other shows, this is John's, like, I actually I didn't mention it on a show. I mentioned it on the Wally Mania uh, podcast. But anyway, this was John's like first uh, big trip away from his newborn son, and you, and I know it wasn't easy for you, but like you fucking you know like did a great job as always. Oh well, thanks very much, Way. I appreciate it. Uh, Way and I are now on our way to upload this show to the airport and then home. We'll chat with you Monday night following Raw. <laughs>